San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Joe Reinager, Jason Minix, The Blitz. Always like that intro. It's yeah, a good baby. one, right? The, you got the horn going there and everything's good. And You know what? It's Friday. This is The Blitz, San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN, AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. I'm Joe Reinagle. Jason Minix is taking a well-deserved day off. The guy works like a beast. <laughs> so guess who they saddled me with today? Michael Jimenez. Waking me up from my nap and, and everything. I, I say that in a uh, in a good way, my friend. But uh, it's good to have you here, and I know we're going to have some fun because you know you and I go back and forth on Twitter and and on our uh, group chat all the time. And I don't know, do we ever agree on anything? No, we've never agreed on anything in our entire lives. And and a little backstory here: I've known you for a long time. Yes, you have. Off and on, because back in 1998, I started working at Ken's Five. That's right. And I was 21 years old walking in the door, and I met you back then. So it's been a long time. But, man, yo, no, we don't agree with anything, man. Sports, politics, life, pleasure. We don't agree with anything. And, dude, you see, well, yeah, pleasure. Does anybody <laughs> agree on pleasure? I'm not sure anybody does uh, at all. But, uh, no, we got a lot to talk about today. You know, you'd think it's a Friday. Football season's over. Uh, but there is a lot of stuff going on. So we're going to get into everything and uh, and just have some fun today. That's what we want to do. And, you know, it's kind of like when the cat's away, the mice will play. So right. Minix is gone. So we're going to take over and uh, and just have some fun. You know, I kind of feel like the backup quarterback, right? Minix, That's a good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, Minix is on the sideline. He kind of stumped his toe or, you know, he's got a stomach ache or something, right? I mean, so I got a rush in the house, baby. That's it, baby. You know what he did in Minnesota? He came in. <laughs> And he won the ball That's game. Right. So I plan on winning this ball game today. No, Jason will be back in the saddle on Monday, just taking some time off. So we hope he's having a good time wherever he is, is and whatever he's doing. Does that mean I'm taking off the practice squad? Is that? Yeah, you're, you're getting a tryout is what you're doing, right? <laughs> so we'll see. We'll judge you after the show and then uh, see if you can remain on halftime. You know what? I, I do have to tell you something, Michael, because, you know, and this is going to sound funny. There are not many things where I'm like jealous of you, but there's one thing that you do that I would like to do. When you have low on on yes. Fridays, dude, that that's a great segment, and and she's very good at what she does. Oh, she's fantastic, and that's part of the halftime show. It's it's beyond sports. It's pop culture. It's the nostalgic things out there. And uh, yeah, we had low from Energy ninety four one on this morning or this afternoon rather, and you know she brings it, man. She brings all the latest and greatest from pop culture. Uh, music, movies, you know, it's, it's it's a great conversation because she brings topics that I don't know about and I'm bringing topics that she doesn't know about. So we're now, wait kind a of minute. surprised I don't believe each other. That. Yeah. You bring stuff that she doesn't know about. Yeah, like I, she didn't know about the Elvis thing, you know, and, uh, you know, so it's it's stuff like that. And she's telling me, hey, did you hear about Kanye West being banned from SNL? <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. So it's, it's always. And then today uh, I mentioned wanting to have Derek Jeter's life for one day. And she goes, I, I was his waitress one night, and oh, that just wow. that just turned into this whole conversation about right. it. But yeah, so we have uh, Low from Energy ninety four one on Fridays at one thirty. Well, there's nothing else that I want to be like you other no, than that. You want to do the movie only reviews? Thing. You want to do movie reviews? Well, too. we we did a movie review, and you finally got one right. So that that was good, and I'm glad I was here for it. 
Um, so it was good. Officer and a gentleman you, you reviewed on Wednesday and, and, uh, you gave it an A minus, I think. Yeah, I gave it an A minus. And before I went on, you and Rudy J were asking me if I actually watched these movies. Now, the, the backstory to all this is that I'm 44 years old, but I didn't watch any movies growing up. So I'm now at 44 going back in time into the seventies and eighties and watching these classics that everyone has seen. And Officer and Gentleman was your choice. You said, I want you to watch that because I watched Urban Cowboy the week before. So right. back-to-back movies there. Uh, I fell in love with Sissy all over again. That's right. So so the, the thing about it is is that it's it's funny watching these movies with open eyes as a middle-aged man for the first time. And uh, But it's great because you come in here and I sometimes hear you from across the hall getting all pissed off <laughs> going, did he really watch this? I gave Scarface an A minus, and you were offended. Well, I, I'm not sure. Is, have you ever given a movie better than an A minus? E. T. E. T. I gave E. T. And dude, how, look, E. T. is a good movie, but how do you give E. T. a better score than Scarface? Oh uh, well, it's different, man. Because you, you you cannot you cannot compare genres. You know, you you really can't. But in the fantasy world that E. T. was, that was brilliant. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, if they re-release this movie, just the whole concept from the eyes of a child was amazing. But uh, there's a, there's a lot of movies that I've liked out there that we've seen. Jaws was another one that I gave uh, an well, a, a, or a plus two. That's yeah. a classic. And now I understand the memes. Now I understand the whole we're getting a, a bigger boat. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know it was I'm your Huckleberry. I didn't know what that meant from Tombstone. Well, you're learning stuff, and that's good. So I guess the next movie you're going to do is The Terminator, right? That's right. That's the next one. It's that, you have not it. seen the Terminator. I don't think I have. I, I it's Dude, you, one of you were you were abused as a child. <laughs> I was sheltered as Dude, a child. I'm telling you, you were abused. You haven't seen any of these movies. Now I don't know your parents, and I'm sure they're they're great folks, but you were abused. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's funny because uh, you know we had those uh, growing up those boxes for HBO. You know, channel four, fourteen was HBO, and I would zip through it, but uh, yeah, man, I, I just wasn't allowed to watch a lot of those movies growing up, especially if they were rated R. I watched Back to the Future and the John Hughes movies, Karate Kid, that I saw growing up. But if it was anything remotely PG-13 or above, chances are I never saw it. Well, I have to imagine that Scarface, though, you were you were grown, or at least a teenager. But it well, looked stupid. When did that movie come out? It came out in 81, I believe, but it looked stupid. And you were born when? 77. So, you're, so what you're saying is, is that I should have seen no, it dude, in my adult. 81, really? That movie's that old? Yeah. I, I had no idea it was that old. Yeah, it's, it's, I want to say that's what hell. it is. That's the problem. <laughs> but Gee, uh, The Outsiders was another one that uh, we've eh, seen. And that that was, one wasn't so good. I didn't that's think so. Right. Close Encounters was, eh, eh. You know, but uh, we're going back in time. Gremlins, I saw for the first yeah. time before Christmas, gave it a solid, what, B? Plus? So, yeah, I mean, I like some of these movies. <laughs> uh, we're working on you, my friend. Wednesday's so, so at one thirty. Wednesday's Terminator? At Terminator. I'm excited. Yeah. Arnold, baby. And I've seen Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Like, I've seen uh, True Lies, and I've actually met Arnold Schwarzenegger. I interviewed him many, many years ago. Really? Uh, For what? He was at the George Gervin uh, complex, or the, 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 the school, the academy. Right. And uh, he was there. I don't know if they, they were doing a fundraiser or something like that. And he was one of the VIPs there, and I got to meet him a long time ago. Could you understand him? Yes, because at that point, <laughs> he was talking about running for politics, right. and uh, his English had corrected a little bit. So he was the governor of California for a while. He was, but yeah. uh, this was before all that. Okay. Well, that's good to know, and I guess we, we know enough about Michael Jimenez now. We don't need to know anything else.
Do well, we? Well, one other thing. Uh, normally around this oh, time, geez. I'm taking a nap. And I wake up around 4.30 every day to see people on Facebook going, did you hear what Ryan Engel had to say about you? Did you hear what Minix had to say? <laughs> so apparently I'm getting disrespected between the hours of 4 p.m. and 4.30 on San Antonio Sports Star. And I wake up to it every day because that's my nap time, you know, about 3.30 to 4.30 before picking up my kids from, from school. And man, so now you get to do it face to face, which you're not afraid of. You've done it before. Oh, I'm not afraid. <laughs> not at all. You better be afraid, my friend. So we'll do it. I, I got to say something about you, Michael. You know, get, getting to spend a whole week with you in Los Angeles. I know that you are 44. You were born 44 years ago. But dude, your body is 85. <laughs> I have never seen anybody take a nap like you do. Your show's from 12 to 2. It's not like you get up like Rudy and Rob do early in the morning. I mean, it's 12 to 2. Now, first of all, the best nap that was there was Rudy J's. We went to that beach. Because he was just loud in the back of the SUV. He was, dude, but he gets up early, right? So they they had to be down at the convention center, I mean, like at, what, 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yes, I, I know. I took them there. I see your Rudy J nap, and I raise you Rob Thompson closing out Radio Row asleep <laughs> on the chair in the convention center. That, that was funny, too. It really was. And, and he was gone. That guy was gone because everybody was kind of messing with him, right? And taking pictures and stuff. So, but those guys got up early. So I give them a little bit of a break. You know, when they're out, when you got, when they are out on the West Coast, I mean, that's, that's early. Now, if they were out in New York City, it's a little bit different. Then they get an extra hour to sleep in. But I felt bad for those guys. So I'll cut them some slack. But you, you, now you did take them down to the convention center. But you would come back and, and go right back to sleep. Take a nap where I do that 4 a.m. hit for that radio station out in Ohio. Right. And and the funniest part was uh, doing that hit for Ohio an hour after we came back from the cigar bar or the, the cigar party, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even going back to sleep for this one. Let me just stay up and, and do the hit from there. But uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun times. But yeah, I do like my naps and I'm, I'm on calendar or schedule for a lot because I have this gig, I have my my business, I have my wife, I have my kids, got my three dogs. I, I get exhausted fast. Dude, you are. I'm telling you, 44, you were born 44 years ago, but your body is 80-something because <laughs> you're, you're an old man in a 44-year-old body. I have the get-off-my-lawn moments yeah, all that's, the time. Yeah, uh, that's the way you are. Okay, we got a lot to talk about, Michael. We do. And if you want to tweet us anything right i'm at jokins5 or he is at mike espn sa so let us know and then of course you've got at i am pledger you can tweet at him as well and of course if you want to give us a call you can hit us up on the kielbasa bacon phone line to 210-656-ESPN 656-3776 so the big news today right we're coming in here we're prepping and all of a sudden we get this um i don't know a tweet right we yeah. had a tweet saying that Tracy McGrady is saying he should have been the MVP of the NBA back in 2005. Well, guess who won it that year? That was Tim Duncan. So Tracy McGrady thinks he should have won the MVP award in 2003. Yeah, it, it was great because you and I were talking before the show about what are we going to talk about? You know, what are we going to discuss? Let's formulate this show. And this just landed in our laps. Thank you to Jeff Garcia from Ken's Five, Locked on Spurs, who tweeted about this. And we we listened to this podcast from Shaquille O'Neal, who I didn't realize does a daily podcast. And Tracy McGrady, a former Spur, is there saying, no, 
My former teammate, Tim Duncan, should not have won that award. He's saying that he should have won the award, that Tracy McGrady should have knocked him down. He has some merit there, though, but in the sense that he should have been a contender for that award. But well, man, he was that, a contender. He was fourth, he was fourth. that year, yeah, so he, which is where he belonged. You would think that he'd be arguing, if it'd be a better argument if he was runner-up. You know, and say, right. man, I was second place, he was first, it should have been flip-flop. But he's saying that he should have been above... Tim Duncan, above Kevin Garnett, and Kobe Bryant, who finished third that year. And he explains why when he's talking with Shaq on his podcast today. Pledge, we got that? MVP race. When I was coming up, I always thought the MVP was the baddest mofo, shut your mouth, Man, in the, let me tell you in the something. game. No, but hold on, let me finish. Now it's, yeah, he's a better player, but his team. So now people focus on teams. So I always thought it was, as a player, if you're the baddest guy in the league, he should be MVP. Now so, it's, oh, his team is in first, his team is in fourth. I don't so, like that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like that because that's that's not a real MVP to me. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Because you own a championship team and you're the best player on a championship team. Of course, right? But when you look at a guy that um, I, I'll say is putting up crazy numbers, doesn't really have the talent like some of these elite teams have. Like and Westbrook he, did that year. Yeah, like Westbrook did that year, and he gets his team into the playoffs, whether it's the seventh or eighth seed, he doesn't have that type of talent around him. That's an MVP to me because if you take him off of that, they won't make the playoffs, right? And, right? and I had a year like that, my 2003 year. I mean, when I played for the Magic, of course, I'm – I'm not playing with no other all-stars. I get guys that's never made an all-star team, right? And I get my team, I think we got to the like the sixth seed, and I'm averaging 32 points, and I can't get that. You take me off of that team, we're a lottery pick. We're a lottery team, right? Who won MVP that year? I think Tim Duncan got it that year. Tim Duncan got mm -hmm. it that year. And, and Spurs, you take you take him off of the Spurs, they still make the, the playoffs. That's true. Because they were that great. That's true. So what? Whoa, 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 whoa! They make the playoffs. No, yes, no, they do. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. They're gonna. You crazy? No, they don't. Why they don't? Because a lot of those guys got their success off of him. Bruh. Yeah, he got double. He kicking out the Ginobili. No, they have a well oiled machine. Yeah, Tim Duncan. <laughs> I'm saying without Tim Duncan, they still are no. a playoff team. No, but they win game, but they don't. They don't make the playoffs. Big Ginobili. And Tony Parker, you got two all stars. You got two all stars on that team, bro. They live off of they live off of Mr. Duncan. So, so what? Double. So you hear him? So what you're yeah, saying? Those, those, so so those two guys ain't Hall of Famers, then? I, I I'm not going on. I'm not going on to say that. But what's what you mean? No, I'm saying if you take them off, you take Tim off the team, they don't have the same success. Go get my popcorn. Hold on, dude. Let me tell you something. I love that, and I love the fact that Shaquille O'Neal is taking up for Tim Duncan in the San Antonio Spurs. When did that ever happen? Never. Until this podcast. So that that's fantastic. And, you know, Renee Rudolph on our, our Facebook Live uh, said, that I guess DeJounte Murray should be MVP. I said that earlier when we were talking about this because by his logic, DeJounte Murray is putting up good numbers on a bad team. Now, they haven't made it to the playoff yet, and that was one of the conditions, right? taking a team, a bad team, to the playoffs. But by that logic, I would have to say DeJounte Murray should be leading the MVP race. Yeah, he's making that argument for DeJounte Murray right there in a roundabout way. But it's weird, though, because you take a look at all the all-time greats. They always had a second or a third sidekick there. Jordan had Pippen. You know, Magic had Kareem, and he had James Worthy and Byron Scott. They have good players playing against them, or, or with them, rather. 
So in this whole thing, he's basically saying that the top players, if they have all-stars with them, shouldn't be considered. Yeah, shouldn't be considered. Shouldn't consider Chris Paul because Booker's there. You can't consider Booker because Chris Paul is there. I don't really get that, but I took a look at the stats here. Tim Duncan that year, we're talking about 23.5 points, 13 rebounds, three blocks a game, four assists. The dude was the was the MVP, man. He was the MVP. I got a question. What all-stars was he playing with? Because... What I remember was Tony Parker was being benched for Speedy Claxton in 2003 <laughs> and Manu Ginobili averaging under 13 points a game. Yeah, and it was all Tim Duncan. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal knows it well. Okay, he knows that Tim Duncan was the man and he knows that he carried that team to that championship. So, you know, it, Tracy McGrady, great player, but he says some crazy stuff, right? He does. He's even saying now that James Harden is faking his injury. He said that on his TV show. He said James Harden is faking his injury, and he might be right. Yeah, I was going to say, would you put that against him? He or, might or, be right. I mean, I, I wouldn't put that past him. I mean, James Harden is just a cancer out there on the court. Kind of reminds you of a guy by the name of Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, very much so, like very, Ben Simmons. Yeah, exactly. Like, like who? Like like Ben Simmons. Ben, exactly. There's another guy, too. And Spurs fans wanted that guy here. I didn't want him anywhere near San Antonio. I don't even want him to come when they play here. <laughs> Just stay away because, you know, I don't want you anywhere in San Antonio that you can mess up any kind of mojo or karma or whatever because the guy is just, ugh, gives me the gives me the creeps. So, But it, it, interesting that he, Shaquille O'Neal, takes up for Tim Duncan, and I'm happy about that um, because what Tracy McGrady was saying was just way out there. You know, Shaq has always been complimentary towards Tim Duncan. He really has been over the past few years. Not well maybe, over the past when, few when, years. When they maybe. were playing, no, he talked a lot of trash, a lot of smack, and and you know he makes fun of 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 some of the rivalries that they've had in the past. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to when they've both been retired, he has he has looked back and said, you know, those were our our greatest battles. I mean, the Lakers and the Spurs that that was the biggest rival that they had at the time, and they had to fight over each other to win those titles and. It's amazing. Without Shaq or without Kobe, Tim could have won seven or eight or nine. The, the opposite's also true. Without Tim, Shaq and Kobe could have won eight or nine That's as right. well. That's right. I remember those days because, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to cover all of those uh, NBA championships, even the one that was a loser. But it always seemed to go through L.A. I mean, just about every one of those, my recollection is going to L.A. to cover the playoffs. And um, so, yeah, that rivalry was huge back then. It it's was a, it, it was ginormous. It's amazing that the Mavericks actually won one because if you take a look at who represented the Western Conference, it was San Antonio or Los Angeles right. for the better part of a decade and a half. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But they, that Dallas team was pretty good with Dirk Nowitzki. And, uh, man, they had some stars on that team. But Dirk, that was his prime. I mean, that was when he was playing the best basketball of his career. And so he was a monster at that time, but you're right. I mean, you know, the uh, from 2000 to, to 2010, it, it was the Lakers or the Spurs, pretty much all the way through. Have you thought back to look at Tim Duncan's career? Because we should be fortunate that he won five rings. But if you take a look back at it, it's possible that he could have won eight or nine. The point four against the Lakers. Oh man! You know, Manu hacking Nowitzki. Yeah. Uh, in in the deciding game of the Western Conference Finals. So much happened uh, in, you know, the Ray Allen shot. Yep. I mean, there are so many different things that could have happened. Just little things. One play prevented the Spurs from winning a sixth, seventh, eighth, and maybe even a ninth title. And and what would Duncan's legacy had been 
had he been an eight-time champion or a nine-time champion? Well, yeah, I mean, it would have been even reinforced. I mean, I think his legacy, though, and his his reputation is is that of, I mean, NBA royalty. I mean, I don't think anybody can dispute that. The guy was one of the greatest of all time. There's no question about it. And some say the greatest power forward of all time. I mean, that's a, a debate that we can have, but that guy was something special. There's no question about it. He was amazing. You know, it's funny as you, as you mentioned that and all the, all the memories that come back, right? Because I was inside the arena the night that Derek Fisher hit that shot, point four. If you recall, just about 30 seconds before that, Tim Duncan hit an incredible shot mm-hmm. to give the Spurs yeah. a lead. So the AT&T Center, or whatever it was called back then, was going nuts. I mean, it was just loud. It was rocking. The roof was coming off that place. And it went from that, Michael, to when Derek Fisher hit that thing to dead silence. Do you remember back in the day when we would edit video in the newsroom? We had those uh, beta. I-, I guess it was beta. And it would have 30 frames in, in one second. Yeah, I re- yeah, absolutely. I remember catching or, or getting that video and uh, putting on, on Derek Fisher and counting the frames. It was 12 frames. I mean, he literally got it off in three-tenths of a second. And the person doing the scorekeeping, like the, the clock, rather, was, I mean, on it. I mean, there was no human error on it. I mean, got it to the millisecond. Right. So it was an amazing play, but... Uh, yeah, that's one of the ones that got away for the Spurs, and and the Lakers got one that the Spurs probably should have had. Dude, I was in Miami too. We were getting ready to go live, ready to celebrate in 2013, and then Ray Allen, bam, yep. knocks that shot down, and boy, you talk about a place that went nuts because it was just the opposite. I mean, that arena was quiet, and then all of a sudden he hits that shot and it just erupts, and I'm, we're back in a in a hallway tunnel getting ready to go live on TV, and we hear this. I didn't see the shot live because the game was over as far as we were concerned. We were ready to go, and we had reporters out everywhere getting ready for the streets and, and the celebration in San Antonio, and boom, the roof goes off of that place. I'm like, what happened? Did you see the champagne? Did oh, you see the Larry O'Brien trophy? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Dude, I've, so seen, I've seen it six times what is more, in that setting. What is more brutal from a sports setting here? That right there, the, the whole Ray Allen shot, or the fact that the Texas Rangers were one strike away from the World Series and didn't win it. Well, dude, I, I, that's easy. It's the Spurs. I'm not a Rangers fan. Well, I'm not either, but I, I still look back at that, and I just can't believe that that happened. Well, I'm, but that's sports, and that's the beauty of it, right? It really is. When that, those kind of things can happen and, and games can turn on a dime like that, that's why we watch. That's why we and, love the games. And what's great about it is, is that when they talk about poker, when you play poker, they say that you never remember your greatest wins, but you can remember your baddest beats. And that's the thing is that we, it, it's, I can remember 09, I mean, 99, 03, 5, 7, and 14. They will be near and dear to my heart. But man, I know where I was. I know what happened. Where I was, you know where you were when these certain things happen, like point four, uh, like like the the Nowitzki getting hacked. It's just you remember that even more because it was more painful. Joe, I got one. I think you'll agree with me. That's more painful than any of those moments. What's that? Thirty-five-three, <laughs> dude. Pledge, can we just turn? No, your, I'm a yeah. I'm an Oilers fan. I grew up. Well, that that's it. The, the three of us are Houston Oiler. Dude, you fanatics from back I, in the day. I may, I may have to me. cry during the commercial break, dude. All right, why, why did you do that to me? And not only that, none of, two of those <laughs> touchdowns would never have counted if instant replay was around. 
Yeah, it's the way it was. And and man, when when and of course we're talking about the Oilers and the Buffalo Bills. I think it was what ninety six. I think it was yeah. mid nineties because they went on. The Bills went on to play the Cowboys, and the Cowboys simply destroyed them in the Super Bowl. And I contend, and of course I've got no way to prove it, but I contend that that Oiler team would have beaten the Dallas Cowboys in that Super Bowl. And do you know how we know that that is true? Warren Moon told us that. Absolutely. Last did. <laughs> week at Radio Row, he was like, and I don't know if he said it on the record or off the record, but Warren was saying, dude, that team, we beat Dallas early in the season. We would have taken them out. And it was like no doubt in his mind. Yeah. That was the, uh, he said it was the next year was the best team because I asked him that. But I always thought that that was the best team that the Houston Oilers ever have, that they assembled. That was the best team. They were playing great ball. And it's just one of those things, man. They were up 35 to three, thought the game was over, and they kind of let up. And the guy by the name of Jim, Jim Reich yeah. brings them Frank, back. Frank, Frank Reich. Frank Reich. Frank Reich. I, I was Jim ner- Kelly, Frank Reich. You're right. Thank you. I was nervous meeting Warren Moon. I just, for some reason, started rattling off the, uh, I know, the, I, the, I, the lineup from 1995. I was like, Mike Rozier, Alan Pinkett, you know, Drew Hill. Ernest Givens. I was like, I needed to prove myself. You know, you got up, you got up fan. from that chair and it was wet. I think you, <laughs> I, I think you tinkled yourself a little bit, Michael. I did when but, he sat down there. Yeah, I think so. All right, we got a lot to talk about here on the Blitz. It's going to be fun. Joe Ryan Eagle, Michael Jimenez. We are uh, driving this bus on a great Friday afternoon, and we're going to have a good time. And want you guys to come along with us. In fact, when we come back, college football has made a decision that I don't like at all. We're going to talk about that. This is The Blitz with Joe Reinagle and Jason Minix, San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. This is The Blitz right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3. I'm Joe Reinagle. He's Michael Jimenez, who is filling in for Jason Minix today, who Minix is out playing around, man, you know, slacking, out it, doing something. Another concert, probably? Probably. You know, Minix is, he's a music head, that guy. I respect it, though. I, I, I mean, come on. Okay. Look, nothing better than live music. What does Minix have over you? And you don't, you don't have to kiss Minix's butt. No, I mean, yes, I do know that. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, is that I love live music also. The relationship that he has with his daughter, Erica, is very similar to the one that I have with my daughter, Gabby. And we take them to concerts and things like that. I mean, that's part of the conversations I'm having with my daughter now, which is what shows are going on this summer. Now, I'm not doing them in February. But, you know, so come June, come July or August, we're going someplace to watch a show. I've, I've never been a big concert guy. It, it, you know, I'm a big country music fan. And by the way, I think Minix, Cody Johnson is who he's seeing tonight in Austin. Never heard of him. Well, he's a, he's a country music guy, kind of Texas country, but uh, he's good. I mean, there's country music here right now. Isn't the rodeo still going on? The rodeo's going on. Is Tim McGraw tonight? I don't know. Or he's Monday, I think. Tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, tomorrow. 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 Okay. You're going tomorrow, huh? So I saw Tim McGraw in concert five or six years ago. Mentioned this earlier today on halftime. It was LL Cool J opening up. For Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw was the middle (laughs) show, and then the Killers were the the headliner. That's pretty cool. I saw Tim McGraw a long time ago, and uh, Kenny Chesney opened up for him. Really? Yeah. And I'll never forget that show because... Kenny Chesney was fantastic, right? And everybody was just, you know, waiting for Tim McGraw, and then McGraw comes on, and he sucked. (laughs) 
I mean, he didn't sing any of the, you know, the hits? When, when I go to a concert, I want to, I want to hear the hits. Yeah. Okay. You can mix in a new song every now and then. That's fine. That's cool. I get it. But you know, you want to hear the songs you hear on the radio and, and so that you can sing along to. And he didn't play any of that. It's like he was debuting a new <laughs> album that nobody had ever heard of. And it was like, so I have good memories of Kenny Chesney from that concert so that was good about two or three years ago my wife and i went to vegas yeah and george Strait was performing so one right. of the things i do whenever i go to a, a city dude, don't be bad mouthing george dude my wife and i both fell asleep during the concert we were in the stands <laughs> asleep and 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 it was just the wrong place it was at the t-mobile in vegas if it was a theater or a small venue it would have been perfect but to do that show that he did where he was just going from one corner of the stage to the next corner it was like in a square and we saw his butt half the time because he was looking at the other side of the, of the, of the arena. But uh, it's not entertaining. I love George Strait. That's not George Strait slander. My wife and I listen to George Strait music all the time in the car. But, uh, man, just performance-wise. But I did see Keith Urban perform as like a, a as like an opening act a while back, about 10 years ago. He was amazing. But see, you, you want all the flash and the... You know the the you know moving around and all that stuff. That's just not who George is. He's never been that. In way. April, Garth Brooks in Baton Rouge at LSU. I'm gonna go visit my daughter and go check out that show. Well, that'd be great. I hope you get your tickets already because if you don't, you're gonna be paying a ton for them. <laughs> well, I bet you that concert's already sold out. And they have that song calling Baton Rouge. Yeah, you know. So I mean, this, the place is just gonna go crazy. But that's what StubHub's for. You know, I'll pay two, three times the face amount if I need. Dude, to. Dude, let me tell you this story real quick. Uh, Maggie, my wife. She took her daughter a long time ago to see Justin Bieber, right? So, you know, how young girls back then when mm -hmm. Bieber comes out, everybody loved him. Um, and she said it was a great show. So apparently Bieber is touring again, right? So she wants to go. I think he's coming to Austin. I don't think he's coming to San Antonio, but I think he's coming to Austin. So she wants, she, so she's looking up tickets and she said, you know, if we, we get tickets, we're going to have to spend a little more because you, you want to get down on the floor and get close. You don't want to be nosebleed stuff. For four tickets to see Justin Bieber close to the stage, six grand. Wow. Are you kidding me? Six grand. Unbelievable. I one time had $600 seats, the most expensive seats that I've ever had for a concert. $600 seats to see Daryl Hall and John Oates at the Majestic Theater. <laughs> Second row. So, yes, nice. maybe, maybe not only am I old, but my musical taste sometimes can be very old. I love me some Hall and Oates. Yeah, Hall and Oates. I liked Hall and Oates, too. I never saw them in concert. I was more of a, a rock and roll guy when I was in high school. You know, I listened to Van Halen and Sticks and go. Foreigner and Journey. and um, Talk to me about Van Halen. Okay, are you okay with Sammy Hagar's version of Van Halen? No. Or, or, okay, so you're David no. Lee Roth Absolutely. running with the devil. Yes. You know, uh, jump Panama. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Sammy Hagar is good when he's just Sammy Hagar. But when he was in Van Halen, it was just like a whole new band, and it sucked. I didn't like it at all. I mean, the, you know, the, the musicians and Eddie Van Halen, who was the greatest guitar player f for sure. I mean, yeah. this guy was incredible. So, But then you hear Sammy Hagar when you're expecting to hear David Lee Roth. It was it's, different. It's kind of like Journey. You know, that guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not Steve Perry. But it's different songs, though. I mean, well, they're, he's the, that guy is is doing all of of uh, Steve Perry songs. In this sense, they went off and did albums. You know, they did different albums. You know, the Right Now song and and all of that different stuff going on. I liked Hagar, but I go back in time right now, and and if I had said for years that I liked Hagar's version of Van Halen better. 
But more and more, I'm going back to the 1970s Van Halen. Absolutely love it. I, I will now say that I'm pro David Lee Roth, but no one should be pro Gary Sharon, who was the third Van Halen oh, singer man. from Extreme. Yeah, no. And I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I ever even heard that because, you know, I got tired of the whole Sammy Hagar thing. But Van Halen used to come to Corpus Christi. I grew up in a small town, Alice, Texas, which mm -hmm. is about 40 miles from Corpus Christi. So that's where we go see concerts. And they would come there all the time. Sticks would come there all the time, too. Ted Nugent was always coming, too. It was Memorial Coliseum, downtown Corpus Christi, right on the water, and it was a lot of fun. So, And we would uh, we'd actually skip school to go buy tickets. I saw a concert in Corpus. I want to say it's on the Bayfront as well. I saw Weezer and Panic at the Disco a couple of years back. That was an amazing show. No, I'm sure it was dandy. <laughs> Panic at the Disco. Oh, we're, we're going to bounce. We, we need to bump back in with Panic music later on in the show. <laughs> That's Hey, I got to tell you something, Pledge, and you'll know this. And if you were listening yesterday, I think it was yesterday. It was. We were talking about Little Big Town, right? And they sing a song called Motorboatin'. Right? They do. And so, dude, I, 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 I'm alone for lunch today, right? Just looking for a place. So I, I stopped. The and... song's actually called Pontoon. <laughs> oh, I thought it was, it's not motorboating. <laughs> yeah, it, it was quite the show yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and so, anyway, I, I walk into this Las Palapas. I sit down, I order, and all of a sudden, guess what comes over the. The intercom. Motorboat. Motorboat. <laughs> by knew, Little Big Town. They knew you were there. They Dude, knew I, you were I guess so. You know, it's kind of like you, you wonder, right? Big Brother's listening. Yeah. Because don't you say something, and then all of a sudden on your phone, there's that ad right there. Right? You're looking, hey, man, I want to I want to go buy a Chevy truck, or I'm looking at a Chevy truck, just you and I yeah. talking. Next thing you know, there's ads popping up on your phone. Do you ever get in your car, and a song that you haven't heard in about 20 years comes on? Yeah. And you're singing along, and you're like, man, I knew every lyric. I haven't heard that song in 15 years. Like, where does that come from? You know, it's just so strange how music is, is they call it the soundtrack of our lives. And it, and, and it takes you back to where you were when that song came out. But it's amazing hearing a song and just going, wow, I, I hadn't heard that in forever. But I know every lyric. I know when to come in, when to come out. It's good times. I know what you mean, Michael, because when I hear Motorboat and I knew exactly <laughs> where I was. I'm a big fan of Motorboat myself. <laughs> Okay. Hey, we were going to talk a little college football, and, and let me tell you about this because it's a little irritating. Uh, I don't understand college football and the folks, that, the, the heads of the conferences. They have decided today that they're going to stick with the four-team playoff system through 2025. That's when the contract ends. They're not going to change it because they couldn't all agree. There's 10 conferences, right, to get the vote on this, plus Notre Dame, right? So Notre Dame's its own entity. Those schools lose $450 million because of their decision today. $450 million they lose today because they don't want to change the college football system because, in their words, it's too hard on the student-athletes. No one believes that, Isn't that man. a bunch of crap? I mean, it's, it is a load of crap because no one absolutely believes that. It, it's, it's one of those things where I think they're protecting these bowl games that may not matter as much anymore. Hate to say it, but the Alamo Bowl might be one of those bowl games because you know it has reduced the value of the Cotton Bowl and and all of the the Rose Bowl and whatnot because that used to be a big deal. But now, if it's being used as the semifinals for something, it 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 means less. It really does. But I, in a perfect world, I'm looking at this. I want there to be eight teams. 
People who say that they wanted to be 16 and look like March Madness or the Sweet 16, not a big fan of that. Uh, I want to see the power conferences represented, all of them, right? The tops of all four or five or however many will remain at that point. On top of that, have one lower level school, you know, and then the rest just fill in kind of at large. But that would be the perfect scenario for me. I don't want to see 16 teams out there. Well, I think that's what they're talking about. They're talking about eight teams and, and that expanding it. Look, I'm, I'm a big fan of the more the merrier. They get it done in the lower levels of college football, and it's a lot of fun to watch. They can do it in college football big time and use the bowl games. Part of the problem with this today, the Pac-12 is worried about their deal with the Rose Bowl, and the Rose Bowl wants to stay where it is. They don't want to move. And in a scenario where you've got playoff teams and doing it at bowl games most likely would have mm-hmm. to change dates. That's part of the hang-up. But once that contract ends in 2025, a lot of the teams that are moving, Texas and Oklahoma, will be in their new home. So that maybe makes a little more sense. But I just think you're right about the bowl games. I think the Alamo Bowl, though, may be an exception. And the reason I say that is because for the last, I don't know how many years, that game has been competitive. Yeah. And it draws a lot of people, and it still seems like the teams want to come and play there. Um, you know, there's some of these bowl games where, well, LSU was a great example, right? They played football, but they played without anybody, and they got whacked. Right. Right? The Aggies chose not to play. Because of that. There's and, too many bowl games to begin with. I well, mean, sure. It, 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 the threshold is now six, and in many cases, it's now five. You could be five and six and make a bowl game. It's, it, it just cheapens the value of what a bowl game is if all you have to do is be 500 or better. And, and that's the bad part of it. But right now, I think there's a lot of bowl fatigue because we don't recognize a lot of these bowls. We don't recognize the sponsors that they have. But there's an easy solution to all this. If you want the, if the Rose Bowl wants to keep the Rose Bowl the way that it is, great. Then we don't have it at the Rose Bowl. We have it at SoFi. We have it at Jerry World. We have it at some of these state-of-the-art places, Atlanta, and just basically do it that way. Use the NFL stadium. Do it on a Saturday when it may not be used for, for a playoff game. Why don't you do this? You have the top seeds get to play at home. So your fans can Whoa. be there and see the football games. I'm all for that. I mean, it's just like the NFL. You get home field advantage. You get to play at home during the playoffs. Do the same thing in college football. If uh, Alabama's the number one team, guess what? You got to go through Alabama. There would be no incentive then to go ahead and have these interconference games that are really, really big. You, you mentioned Alabama. Alabama refuses to play a good team on the road out of conference. And they have, I mean, obviously they're they're going to play the Auburns of the world in conference, but outside they're like, no, 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 we'll play you neutral site. They won't go someplace, and and you'll find more of that going on if 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 you had like a seating, if you will. Dude, do you see the gauntlet that they have to go through in the SEC? I get, uh, I, I I get it, but I mean, at some point in time, you gotta you gotta you know be healthy going into that. And uh, did you hear Saban go off on his eighteen year old cornerbacks? No, oh what my say? god. Uh, he 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 just those receivers. Oh, his receivers. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he was uh, talking about the injuries that uh, some of the receivers had, uh, pr- uh, leading up to the the championship game and in the championship game. And he was basically saying these are the reasons. These are the receivers are the reasons why we lost. Wow. I mean, he went throwing them under the, the bus completely, threw them under the bus, and it wasn't even like he didn't backpedal at all. He just basically threw them under the bus 
and said they did not rise to the occasion. We brought them in to rise to the occasion when it was their time to play, when their number was called and they didn't do it. And I was like, oh, my God, these are 18-year-old guys that he's doing that to. And this is five to six weeks after the national championship Still game. pissed off. Still pissed off. That's why Alabama is Alabama, and Nick Saban is Nick Saban. Wow, that's great. All right, hey, somebody made the Hall of Fame, and it's about time. That's all I'm going to say. We'll talk about that when the Blitz continues right here on ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. Hey guys, it's Rudy J. Your home for sports talk is right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. Everybody, let's rock. Come on, Michael, get in there. <laughs> no, I'm okay. <laughs> Dude, Elvis, the man. He was. Now, that's the guy I'd pay six grand for if he, you know, rose from the dead and got back on stage. <laughs> Justin Bieber, no, I don't think so. Hey, welcome back to the Blitz right here on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN, AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. My name is Joe Reinagle. He's Michael Jimenez, filling in for Jason Minix this afternoon, and it's good to have you here, Michael. Oh, dude, I'm having a blast. No, it's good to have you here, man. Which, uh, I knew this would be fun, you and I getting together and talking a little sports and other things. And uh, so, yeah, this is fun. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm having a good time. Dude, I'm absolutely enjoying it. Three Houston Oilers fans coming together. People are already reaching out to us on Facebook saying, wait a minute, there's not one Cowboy fan in the building right now. <laughs> Wow, that that may be a first for San Antonio Sports Star, right? Yeah, that may be a first. We're talking about Elvis. We're going to talk about Elvis in just a moment. There's a reason that Pledge played that music coming in. Uh, but first, I got I'm excited about this, dude. Okay, huge wrestling fan. Me, I grew up watching it, and I love it, man. I really do. So we find out today that the Undertaker is going into the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Well deserved. The crowd goes wild. Well, well deserved. Yes, I'm going to go ahead dude. and assume it well deserved. Are you not now, a wrestling fan? I'm not a wrestling fan, but if you asked me to name 10 wrestlers that I knew their name, The Undertaker would have been one of them. I remember him because he's been around forever. And I remember whole, the whole get up. Yes. I remember that as well. Uh, so, I mean, very exciting. But just to tell you how much, how little I know about wrestling, I met The Miz. We met The Miz. That's right. We did. On Radio Row. I had no idea who he was. Probably why he liked me. Well, probably, right? Now, he was he was a nice guy, and, and he's a big star right now in the WWE. But, man, I go back to, we used to have a thing called All-Star Wrestling. They would come on on Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, man, I would stay up and watch it. This guy by the name of Jose Lothario used to wrestle, and Wahoo McDaniel. And, I mean, all these characters, right? And then you, you grow up, you had the Von Erich brothers. Dude, now that is the wrestling I knew. Kevin Von Erich. Yeah. You know, uh, who, who, who were, what were the other names? Keith? Keith yeah, and Kerry. Right, right. Keith Kerry and Kevin, right? You had the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. That's right. Now, I remember that. That's when I was Ultimate into wrestling. Warrior. Up until about, like, 91. Ultimate Warrior was great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Superfly Snooka. Uh, yeah, Kamala. I yeah. remember, I remember yeah. these guys. That's Rafiki. when I was into it. Man. That, <laughs> That's right. I, I love it. You know, Shawn Michaels actually worked at Ken's TV with us one football season. Yeah, I remember so, that. So, you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, so he, he, that was fun. And you talk about all the... Ladies going wild, right? When he'd go out to the high school football stadium because he was part of our Friday Night Football coverage. But I'm very happy The Undertaker is going into the Wrestling Hall of Fame. 
and uh, I'm very happy about that. Some Plus, of my favorite matches were Undertaker ta- ta- uh, Undertaker casket matches. Oh my gosh! Oh man, with the ones with him and Kane. Dude, the cage matches that, that they used to have, it's just, it's such a production, right? I mean, it really is. And those guys are athletes. They're good athletes. They have to be. I'm afraid of taking my eight-year-old daughter to this because why? my wife was really big into wrestling growing up. So yeah. she tells me that. Bigger than I was. I was an okay fan from about, say, 85 to about 92. Yeah. I'd watch it then. But my my wife is into it. I bet if I took my daughter, she would be all be about it. She'd, She'd be, be hooked. hooked. And that's why I don't want to take her. And that's it. By the way, the only wrestling I've seen lately is that show Glow on Netflix. And I'm sure you've seen it. No, I haven't. Oh, Glow? No. Yeah, it's about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't seen it. It's a great show. I'm going to get time to watch TV at night like the rest of you guys do here in about a week or so. Do you not so, watch TV? Dude, I work at night. Oh, that's true. So I work at night. By the time I get home, I don't want to, you know, I don't have time. I want to go to bed or have a drink and sit outside or, you know, catch up on a few things. And uh, I'm not binge watching, but I will get in the, into the program once uh, all of this is over on February 28th. So after that, come March 1st, see, I can start a, a binge, a, a series. Will they say, like Elvis, Joe Reinagle? Has left the building. <laughs> well, if they don't, I will. How about that? <laughs> Speaking of Elvis, there's a movie coming out about Elvis. I'm excited about it. The is it, is it a biopic or a biopic? He's Dang not it. hitting screen Dang for it. cancer, man. It's a biopic, but no. The uh, trailer was released yesterday, and uh, Tom, uh, what's it called? Uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah. I was gonna say Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks is in here. <laughs> he plays the manager. Looks really old in this movie. But uh, this is coming out in June, and it's just called Elvis. Well, that's good. And it's it's more about the young Elvis, right? When he first got started, I think. Right. It stars Austin Butler, who looks just like him. He does. I think I think looks just like him. And I get excited for these types of movies because there was the the one with Queen that I really liked. Right. And then, you know, there's there's that Elton John one that I haven't seen yet, but the Johnny Cash one was really good with Joaquin Phoenix. Yep. Save yourself on the Elton John one. Save myself. <laughs> I, I've heard that. Rocket Man, don't bother. <laughs> I and, thought Rocket Man was okay. And then the Bohemian Rhapsody one. That was fantastic. That was good. I thought Elton John was good. Joaquin I mean, yeah, Phoenix's Johnny Cash was amazing. Yeah, that was good. I just, I like seeing these these stars. And how they got started. And I'm a big fan of movies like that. And they, you, know, they're, you figure are somewhat true anyway, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to dazzle them up a little bit for Hollywood. But, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. June 22nd, man. That's the big day. I'll be there. I want to see it. No question. No question. So what did you call this at halftime? I accidentally called it a biopic. A biopic. As opposed to a biopic. Now, back in the day... <laughs> About a year ago, Pledger corrected me because I was calling GIFs GIFs. Right. And I did not right. know that. It's I not peanut butter. But no, but the person who created the programming for that says that it's a GIF. Here's the thing. GIF is short for graphic interface. That's that's the caption. It's a hard G. I'm an GIF. old man sometimes. Yeah, well... Did you know that? Did you know that it was a GIF at all times? I knew it was a GIF, yeah. I did know that, actually. Not a GIF. Jason used to call them memes. (laughs) It's a picture, for goodness sake. How about about we just call it a picture? How about that? It's a flick. It's a flick. It's a picture, for goodness sake. It's a motion picture. I I, I can't wait to watch this movie in the year 20. 
65. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no kidding. Like 40 years late. Well, on that, that's what I'm saying, dude. Don't, don't do to your daughter what your parents <laughs> did to you. Okay, take her to see some wrestling. Dude, we saw Spider-Man the other day. There you go. There you go. I, so I, I, I don't I'm want, caught up to today's standards. I don't want her sitting on a radio station doing reviews of, of old wrestling shows <laughs> back in, in, in 2022. Deal. <laughs> I can see that happening, right? I can see that happening. Joe Reinager, Jason Minix, The Blitz. It is The Blitz right here on ESPN, AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. My name is Joe Reinagle. Michael Jimenez is sitting across the desk from me, filling in for Jason Minix today. Minix off on a well-deserved day off. I think he's going to see uh, Cody Johnson tonight in Austin for a little good Texas country music. So we'll, we'll see if he knows any of those songs. I kind of doubt it. You know, he's very eclectic when it comes to music. He just He wants his dip. He wants his beer, yeah. and he wants his live music, and I respect it. Well, then I don't know why he doesn't like country music better, because that's country music. Dip, <laughs> beer, boots, tapping. You know, I mean, come on. But Minix, you know, Minix, we're at a at a great place, right, in L.A. The last night we're there, it's the media party at Universal Studios, <laughs> right? So... We are having a great time. They're, they open up the park for the media. So we can do whatever we want. The concession stands, any ride you wanted to ride, you could do it. Minix, he just sat there. Yeah. He didn't do anything. Didn't dance. Didn't now, he do he anything. claims he's got a bad back, but you know, really? I don't know. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. No, we got on all the rides and he just hung out and just stayed stationary. And drank beer. And drank beer and, and shoot and shoot on the dip. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's all he did. He listened to the music because they had a little dance floor there, right? So he didn't even you know nod his head or anything. But uh, we got to ride the rides. I'm still freaking out about that one 3D ride that we were on, the well, Transformers. Oh, it was so good. That was really dude, incredible. Watching man. you get off that ride, you were like, dude, that was so great. It was great, right? I mean, dude, I wanted to go. I wanted to watch, I wanted to go ride it again. It was really cool. I mean, because you had to put these glasses on. And I mean, it, it looked like you're flying straight up, coming straight down. You know, these things coming right at you. It was really there was heat it was coming cool. at you yeah. as well. And I asked you when we were walking out. I was like, "Do you think we were actually moving around, or were we stationary the entire time, and things were coming at us?" Because I, if you had told me that we had moved a mile, I would have believed you. If you had told me that we were stationary stationary the entire time, I would have I would have believed you too. But the best part, though was watching Rudy J get scared on a roller coaster. <laughs> it wasn't a roller coaster. It was the Jurassic World one. Yeah. And the T-Rex comes from the left-hand side. We're like, ah! And then the surprise T-Rex in the middle coming straight at us. And Rudy J looking over at me going, oh, no. Yeah. And that's when you went. we went straight down. Right? And that I wasn't expecting that because it was dark in there. So yeah. you couldn't see what was coming. But that was cool. But... Man, that Transformers ride. And, and the other one we rode was uh, The Mummy. The Mummy, yeah. The Mummy. And the entire time, Minix just hanging out. Just outside, hanging out. Outside, not doing anything. Just drinking beer. Just drinking beer. Yeah. But, but it was free beer, so. It was free beer. The food was free. And it was just kind of cool that they opened that up you know, for the media. Just the entire park. You could go and do whatever you wanted to do. It's been yeah. 120 hours. I still have had no alcohol since then. I think I'm off for like another month. Well, because that was a lot. Man. I can't promise the same. 
I mean, open bar is open bar. Yeah. Know? Well, <laughs> got to take advantage. Yeah. And, and well, we had a nice open bar at the house too, so it was. Uh, <laughs> there was true. never. There was never a time or place. I just remember Rob screaming at me, <laughs> "Be more sociable, Michael. Come downstairs." <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, you're an 85-year-old. You are an 85-year-old, dude. That's all I'm going to say about it. I know you were born 44 years ago, but 85, that's what you are. Hey, we got uh, the All-Star Weekend kicks off tonight and goes all the way, obviously, through Sunday. You can hear all of it, by the way, right here on AM 1250 or 103.3. All of it. Everything's going to be right here. So uh, if you can't watch it and you're in your car and you want to tune into something you can do that just keep your dial right here but DeJounte Murray is in the all-star game he was a replacement right he didn't get picked but he is a replacement and so very happy for DeJounte Murray and I'm excited that and that's really the only thing that I'm excited about because I don't really care about any of the all-star weekend yeah, the All-Star Weekend used to be a big deal for me growing up because we'd have the slam dunk competition and we'd have the stars out there. We'd have the Michael Jordans of the world, the Vince Carters, Dominique Wilkins, and the, even the ones that were not stars were still entertaining, like Kenny Skywalker and Spud Webb. But now it's just, you know, Jalen Green, who will eventually become a good player. It's Obi Toppin. You know, it's some dude from the G League. You know, it, it's stuff like that that's going on. But, you know, I'll be hopeful. I'm more excited about the three-point shootout. But talking about DeJounte Murray, though, he's on Team Durant. And I hate this. I want West, <laughs> the West against the East. Exactly. But uh, he's part of Team Durant. So his teammates are going to be Joel Embiid, John Morant, Jason Tatum, Andrew Wiggins, Trey Young, LaMelo Ball, Devin Booker, Rudy Gobert, uh, Zach Levine, Chris Middleton, and Carl Anthony Towns. Not so, a bad lineup. Not a bad lineup at all. But I don't know how you bet on this. I mean... You know, I'm taking a look at it, but it is a good all-star team. It's an all good all-star game. It's better than the Pro Bowl. Not as good as Major League Baseball, but it's yeah. still worth watching. The, yeah. the, the all-star game itself is worth watching. I don't really care about any of it. I don't. The Pro Bowl, we were on a plane to L.A. Minix sat there and watched the whole thing. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. Um, and, you know, people probably make fun of me because I was watching the golf tournament. Jordan Spieth was in, in contention <laughs> that week, and... Uh, he blew it, by the way. That that was two weeks ago. But that's what I was watching. I enjoy watching golf on TV. I'm one of the few, I guess. But um, yeah, it, it I, makes I, for a great nap. Yeah. Well, mm, come on, admit it. When you're I watching enjoy, it at home, it, you fall asleep. You nod it, off. It to, depends on who's playing. Like I'm a big Jordan Spieth fan. So if he's in contention, then I'll I'll watch. There are two voices that put me to sleep in a good way. As in, it's like it's like oh, warm bath, Jim Nance. Deborah Knapp. Both of them can bathe in their voices. Hello, I... friends. <laughs> and then you got Tony Roma. Jim, did you see that? Oh, my gosh. He came over here and he did that. Oh, sorry. There's no way he could be on the course doing that, you know? And and did you see that thing going on last weekend where we're on the 16th hole in, in Phoenix? Like 500 yes. to 1,000 beer cans were thrown onto the course. First of all, I'm impressed by the amount of drinking that was done there. Okay. Absolutely. That almost exceeded the number of beer cans I had to throw away at our Airbnb <laughs> because I was impressed. We looked like a frat party right there because, I mean, we had our, our uh, can after can after can of, of, of beer there. Miller Lite. Was, yeah, I think that was all Minix. That was Minix. Because he, he's the only guy that drinks beer. Well, <laughs> Rob Thompson. Yeah, they were knocking down the beers. You and I yeah. were doing the Knob Creek. Well, and, and Rudy J had a hand in that as well. So, um, 
Yeah, but man, you know, that stuff goes down pretty good after the first couple. <laughs> and they just said, okay, we they had just, no food. They just keep going now. We had no food in the Airbnb. We had, we had cookies, we had Oreos, and Knob Creek. Dude, I wish we would have recorded some of those conversations, though, at that table. Oh, it was great. Dude, we had some great conversations on that table. We could have, we could have done two or three shows <laughs> out of that. So next time. And we go to Cowboys camp or or Super Bowl next time. We need to we need to take a camera, set it up, and and shoot that stuff and just air someplace it because East it was Coast. great. Someplace right. East Coast because the getting up at two thirty in the morning. Something tells me good. we couldn't have aired any of those conversations. <laughs> yeah, would have been, been like, hey, Pledge, can you uh, can you uh, tape the or my bleep machine? Doesn't bleep have machine exactly. <laughs> yeah, it would have uh, it would have required some of that. But you know, when you're when you're on the air and you know you're on the air, you kind of watch what you say. But when you're at a kitchen table drinking whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets a little colorful sometimes, right? So, yeah, you, you may be right, Pledge. That's exactly what's, right. What's funny about it is, and I think you mentioned this and Rob, too, is that we're the same people on air that we are, you know, together. Right. Yeah. There, there, there's no facade here. Yeah. We are who we are, and I'm a big dork, and... And Minix is who Minix is, you know. He's snarky, and 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 Rudy is who is who Rudy is, and it, it's so funny. But uh, it just gets amplified with a few beers. Absolutely, it does. But uh, yeah, we had a good time. Dejounte Murray's going to have a good time. Oh, he's- and and his his teammates, Michael, are really happy for him, and uh, especially Keldon Johnson, who just kind of I think just almost idolizes Dejounte Murray. He was talking about DJ uh, or DM earlier uh you know i hope he's like throw it out the backboard windmill or throw it out the backboard between the legs or something crazy you know so i can go crazy you know i'm you know i'm more than happy for him you know i'm glad i mean he worked so hard for for this moment you know and uh i mean many more to come for him i mean if you see his work ethic, you see the time he put in uh it's amazing so uh my hat goes off to dj uh, i'm glad that uh, and blessed that he's my point guard and also he's like a big brother to me and uh, guided me through my career. So, um, you know, from day one, I've been saying DJ All-Star. And, uh, I mean, he's getting what he deserves. He's getting his flowers. And uh, I'm more than happy for him. And uh, I'm behind him 100% the whole way. Yeah, I think all Spurs fans are because I think all Spurs fans are happy that we're going to be able to see a Spurs jersey or a – a spurred player on that floor with uh, some of those other offsides. And and look, DeJounte Murray, I know he got in. I know he got in as a replacement, but the guy is playing his tail off. Yeah, I don't know if I, I don't want to call him the replacement all-star, though, because it's one of those things that he deserved to be there. You know, the whole 20 points a game, nine assists, eight rebounds, leading the league in steals. He deserved to be there. And we debated, Pledge and I debated earlier today whether or not Draymond Green was the reason why he got called up. Because Draymond Green stood up for DeJounte Murray said, this is the guy that should replace me. Even though I'm a big and he's playing point guard, he should be the one that comes in. And I said that that put him over the top. But I don't want to say that that's the reason why he got picked. But taking a look at it, DeJounte Murray making an all-star team is a big deal because it'll be easier for him to make it the second and third time. No doubt. We'll talk more about DeJounte Murray in just a moment, but uh, Pledge has some breaking news. This is breaking news from San Antonio Sports Star. I do, guys. The 2022 Basketball Hall of Fame finalists were announced. 11 are on it. Swing Cash, Tim Hardaway, Headline, along with San Antonio Spurs great 
Manu Ginobili. Nice. Yes, of course. Uh, so how is he not the headliner? Say those names again. Who did you say the headliner oh, no. was? I, I wanted... He... He's the headliner along with, okay. I just wanted to use his name last. Save the best for last. Again, it is the Basketball Hall of Fame, not the NBA Hall of Fame, right. which is why team. he is going, Manu Ginobili will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Book it. What? That you, Olympic victory back in 2004. That was huge. It. And if you go back in time. For those of you who are listening right now, go back YouTube, Argentina winning the gold medal. That whole game is on YouTube. He was on fire. Oh, he and, was incredible. Everything he did leading up to it, too. They shouldn't have been in the finals. That was their miracle on ice type of moment. Manu Ginobili was one of the most unique basketball players I have ever seen in my life. But he understood the game. You know, he, he maybe didn't look as polished as uh, a Kobe Bryant or a Michael Jordan. But he understood the game. And he hustled. And he had a heart the size of New York City. And this guy, I I agree with you about the, the gold medal, but I think he gets in anyway. I, but beyond <laughs> he that, got in with me when he blocked that shot from James from Harden. Harden. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about Monte Ginobili, though, is that the legacy that he has is beyond the victories, beyond the rings, beyond the gold medal. It's that players today play like him now. Yeah. Tim Duncan might be the greatest player in Spurs history, one of the top five to ten players in NBA history. But Manu Ginobili, right now, no one's playing like Duncan. No one's throwing the ball off the glass or doing the fundamentals, but they're doing the Euro step. You yep. know, they're 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 doing these herky jerky moves. They're shooting the ball the way the way that he does. He played both sides of the ball. He played defense. He played offense. He was a great player. And I love the fact that he's still in San Antonio and he's still part of the community. Part me, of the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He is part of the franchise. And and I'm going to tell you, you look at Tim, Tony, and Manu. Manu Ginobili is the most popular of those three. I'd agree. There's no question. In fact, I would say, and, and there's been a lot when you're talking about David Robinson, George Gervin, Tim Duncan, all of those. I think Manu Ginobili is the most popular Spur player Sound, of all time. Sounds like a poll. I said I said <laughs> I've said this a lot and I've heard it said Tim Duncan's the greatest Spur of all time. Monte Ginobili's the most beloved. I, I would agree with that, and I think that's accurate. Uh it's just the way Manu carried himself. Monte Ginobili not only was great on the basketball floor, Monte Ginobili was great off of it. You know, he would talk to anybody. People could come up to him, and he would make them feel comfortable. The media as well. We would go, and Monty was always there to answer the questions, and he would give you the greatest sound bites in the world. But it, it was more than that. He, he came into this community and really became a part of it. And so, you know, I, and, and the people of San Antonio just fell in love with this guy. I mean, head over heels in love with this guy. And I think that will never fade away um, for the people here in San Antonio and Spurs fans. Yeah, we'll be talking about Manu, Tim, Tony, and Manu, and Pop for the rest of our lives. Absolutely. You know, I, I if I'm blessed to live another 44, 45 years of my lifetime, I might only get one more Spurs championship. I mean, that's just how rare they are. I mean, ask Dallas Cowboy fans. It's been 26, 27 years, right? And I remember in 2014 telling my wife, Babe, I got to take some money out of savings. I got to go see the Spurs in the finals again. This may never happen again. And she looked at me kind of weird, but I, it, it's it's that rare. 
And uh, but the Spurs finally have some hope, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. But going back to Tim, Tony, and Manu days, Tim is the greatest Spur of all time. Robinson's the most important Spur of all time, but Manu is the most loved. No, there's no doubt about it. You know, it's funny that you say that, Michael, because some kids. I've got a 23 year old daughter who never knew anything but winning Spurs basketball. Yeah. Right, so that's how that's how unusual, and we should never not appreciate that twenty year run that the Spurs had. Twenty years of making the that's unheard of in professional sports. It was a perfect storm. It all the puzzle pieces fit together. Pop could not have won five titles without Tim, Tony, and Manu, and he'll tell you that. Tim probably could have won two, but wouldn't have won five. That's the thing. And and Manu, I mean, Manu and, and Tony probably could have latched on with another team and won one or two. But collectively, it fit together. It was all seamless and perfect. And it brought five. Could have brought more, but it brought five. And, and, that, and we are blessed as a, as a city to have had that. And, and, you know, Pop is fortunate that those guys bought in. You know, it's funny because Emmett Smith told us a story about Jimmy Johnson when we were at the Super Bowl and how Jimmy Johnson actually got on to Emmett Smith during practice, and it really pissed Emmett off. And he said he didn't talk to Jimmy for like two days. Well, Jimmy finally said something to him. He said, look, if I can get on to you, then I can get on to anybody. And that's the way Pop was, because Pop would yell at Tim Duncan. Accountability. Right. what Emmett was talking about. Accountability. That's we, exactly right. And we saw that this past week with Joshua Primo. Primo was being, you know, a, a very stern conversation that Pop had with him on the sidelines. Primo has done well as a rookie this year. But the last three or four games has just been atrocious. And he looks tired. He looks a little bit lost. And if you hear what Pop is, is not screaming at Primo, he's just sternly telling him, you have to trust me. You have to listen to me. When I say do this, you do this, right? And But it, it's one of those things where, like you said, Pop has never been afraid to dress down, to go after his star player. But think about how... How strong in mind Tim Duncan had to be to take that. Yeah. Because there are a lot of NBA stars right now who could never take that type of talk, that type of criticism. You're exactly right. And do you remember Tony Parker as a 19-year-old kid came in here and after the fourth game of the season, he took over for Antonio Daniels. Mm -hmm. Pop used to just, oh my gosh, dress that kid down. Yeah in front of everybody, in front of 18,000 fans in the arena. And he would just ride that kid and ride that kid. And Tony will tell you today that he's happy that he did because it made him the player that he turned into. And to think about 15 years later, there was a playoff game where Pop is wanting to go after the team, calls a timeout, is pissed off, and is going after the team, and Tony grabs the stool and says, get back. Yeah. And Tony ran the ran the timeout, and Pop just kind of, Stopped, turned around, walked the other way, and I thought to myself, wow, that's a respect factor there that's kind of odd because that is uh, the, the, the student becoming the master at that point, and that was what Tony Parker is. That's why I think Tony Parker eventually will coach someday, may not be in the NBA, but I can see him having that drive as a coach. Wouldn't be surprised, but Tony's got a lot of other stuff going on. He owns a basketball team in France, in France by yeah. the way, right? So he is a, he is a team owner, but... I'm going to say this, and I've, I've said this for years, and wait, going way back, that Tony Parker was the most underrated player of his time. 
Thank you for saying that. He was the most underrated player of his time because everybody would talk about every other point guard on the planet and Parker would get left off. Whose and career would you rather have, Tony Parker or Chris Paul's? Tony Parker, without a doubt. Tony Parker, they used to actually play basketball back in those days, right, when Parker was a point guard. Parker would get knocked on his butt, I don't know how many times, and he would get back up and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. Now you can't touch anybody. But back then, they would kill that guy. He would drive into the paint, and they'd knock him on his butt. He'd get back up, drive into the paint again. This guy was incredible. And people just don't understand how special of a player Tony Parker was. I think he gets the love from the current players now. Maybe not from the media, maybe not from fans in, in different cities. But I think right now... You're seeing, as I said with Monty Ginobili, where people are playing like him because of the Eurostep and the herky-jerky motions and, and things like that. Tony Parker is the same way. You see a lot of players these days doing the floater. You see them doing these, these mm -hmm. spin moves, drive-in spin moves, kick back out, wrap-around passes. I think that, that, if anything, the legacy that the Spurs have beyond the fundamentals of Tim Duncan is the fact that young players right now are playing like Tony and Manu did. They are, and they should, right? And I know the young players that get to be around Manu Ginobili every day are loving it, and they say so, because Manu will tell them. He'll talk to them. He'll teach them. He's coaching them without being a coach, and it's great. And, and man, what a, what a blessing it is for that Spurs franchise to have Manu Ginobili sticking around and be a part of that franchise in the way that he is. It's, it's just incredible. Flashy fundamental. I'm Absolutely. I'm going to coin that term because they were flashy but they were also fundamentally sound when doing it. They were boring, and nobody wanted to watch them, kind of like my Tennessee Titans, right? <laughs> they were good, but nobody wanted to watch them, and so they didn't get were a lot of love. <laughs> Absolutely. You mean the team that went out in the first round? Uh, yeah, the, that team. It, oh. it, it was an Aggie's fault, though. <laughs> That's the problem, right? Hey, if you didn't hear the breaking news, Monte Ginobili is a finalist for the Basketball Hall of Fame. That was announced just a few minutes ago. We had it as breaking news, and so uh, that's... Uh, that's good news. It's yeah. fantastic news. No question about it. So we're going to be talking a lot more about that coming up here in just a moment. We're also going to talk about a response. The NFL has a response to the cheerleader gate that's going on or took place with the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk about that right after a Sports Center update with James Pledger. The play is in. The Blitz with Joe Reinagle and Jason Minix. ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. This is the Blitz right here on San Antonio Sports Star, AM 1250 and 103.3. I'm Joe Reinagle, and Michael Jimenez is across the desk from me, filling in for Jason Minix today. If you want to tweet at us, you can do that, at JoeKins5. And what is yours, Mike? At Mike? ESPNSA. At Mike ESPNSA. ESPNSA. That's right. Okay, at Mike. <laughs> so tweet at us if you would like and of course the happy news we've been talking about Monty Ginobili uh, a finalist for the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame I like the way CBS Sports put it that he leads the list nice basically saying just, just call it a day he's going to make it he's going to make it yeah there's no question well who would you even argue to put over him on this list well I mean keep in mind there's others who you know, we're remaining from past years that are eligible as well. So he's not just going up against these people, but I think George Carl will make it in there. Um, I don't, I'm not really feeling Tim Hardaway. 
but there'll be some WNBA stars uh, that will that will make it out of this list. Well, there was no Becky Hammond on this list, although she was uh, going to be inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. That was announced a couple of days ago. So congratulations to Becky Hammond for that. But I think eventually, and maybe it will take her coaching career and a successful one at that, to get her into the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. I'm not sure that what she's she did as a player, even though she was a great player, gets her in there. Yeah, she didn't play long enough, I think, for that. I mean, she was an all-star. She was really good at what she did. Uh, but it's going to be a collective effort for her. It's going to be her assistant coaching. It's going to be her coaching with the uh, in the WNBA, and if she ever becomes a coach in the NBA as well. So I think it's going to be a collective thing to get her in. But I think eventually it will happen. Yeah, I think it will too, and it should. I mean, uh, it just... It, you know, number one, her play on the court. Number two, she was a trailblazer, first female assistant coach um, in the NBA. So that was good, and that's opened the door to others, not only in the NBA but in the NFL as well. So I think you know that's got to that's got to add some value to that. I would think. Now, one of the arguments that we had off the air with me and Pledger over here was: Has the Hall of Fame been watered down? Is are, are we letting players in there that maybe? should not be in there just simply because they, they collected a lot of stats along the way. One of the things I was looking at is, you know, there are only 49 players, sorry, 48 players in NBA history who have 20,000 or more points for a career. And out of all of them, all but two have made the Hall of Fame. Okay? All the others have either made it or don't qualify yet because either they're playing or they just recently retired. But one of those names on there at 45 is LaMarcus Aldridge. And taking a look at number 58, at 19,300 points is DeMar DeRozan. If they cross over to 20,000, do you think either of those two become future Hall of Famers? I think LaMarcus Aldridge will. I think so, too. I think he will. I'm not sure about DeRozan yet, although he's uh, he's playing well. and doesn't look like he's going to slow down anytime soon. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I would say LaMarcus, I would say yes, if you if you needed an answer right now. DeRozan, no. The only two players who have done 20,000 points or more in a career that didn't make it were Anton Jameson and Tom Chambers. I can see Tom Chambers making it. I don't know. Tom Chambers, I remember Tom Chambers. Um, good player. Very hard, athletic. Hardworking player. He could dunk the ball like crazy. First guy in, last guy I out. I wouldn't call Tom Chambers athletic. Oh, you remember he, Tom he, Chambers? He, I wouldn't call him athletic. He, he was he a big white guy that was kind of... Kind of I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would call him athletic. He has that iconic dunk over somebody. I forgot which player it was, but it was iconic. It just seemed like I he think kept it was him being dunked on. <laughs> you, you are you. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't remember Tom Chambers as being athletic. I'm gonna call it up during the break. But there was one dunk that he had where he was probably about 12 feet above the rim, not 12 feet above, 12 feet high in making this dunk. He was amazing. He was a good player. Yeah, he was a good player. I mean, it was Mark Jackson he was dunking on. I mean, he's just a little guy. There it is right there. (laughs) It's like he dunked on Spub Webb, man. (laughs) (laughs) He looked good doing it, man. No, it looks good. It's a poster. I mean, you know, it's nice. But if you don't remember Tom Chambers, he played most of his career with Seattle. Yeah. And uh, I want to say, nah, Chambers was a Seattle guy. I remember him with Seattle. Maybe he went to. Uh, he played, with, he played with Seattle the the first half of his career. The second half of his career was with Phoenix. Okay, there you go. I remember him as a Sonic. 
So, but athletic, I wouldn't. I mean, that picture looks athletic, but I, I wouldn't. If you asked me to describe Tom Chambers, I wouldn't say, yeah, he was athletic. Real mm. quick, if you thought, if, if I told you Seattle Sonics, who comes to mind? What player? Uh, Gary Payton. Gary Payton. Sean Kemp comes to mind. Sean for me. Kemp. Yeah. Yeah. Rain Man, baby. Sean Kemp. That I, I tell you, of all the playoff series that I was fortunate enough to be on with the Spurs, the 2005 run was my favorite. Because it, I think it was the toughest. Because they had to go through Seattle that year. And that was a very tough Seattle team. And that crowd there was incredible. It, it's it's a travesty that Seattle doesn't have a basketball team. Because the fans there were, were in just unbelievable. I think they will eventually. But then they go on from there. And the final series against Detroit and the bad boys back then was the mo- one of the most physical basketball series I think I've ever seen. Yeah, that's uh, going back in time and watching those games from 05 and seeing Robert Ory carry the Spurs team to, to victory. I mean, it, it was beyond the game-winning shot. It was the entire game, and it was multiple games that he was carrying this team. But I'm looking back at Seattle. You're right. Seattle deserves a team. They never should have lost that team. And isn't it weird that in the back of my mind, I think that Durant, Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka would have won a title if they were playing in Seattle as opposed to Oklahoma City, because that's where they went to? Yeah, maybe so. Um, but, you know, that that team should have done. But you had a couple of, couple of guys on that team that, that have, as it's played out, have not helped their teams very much. Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I mean, think about that. Harden puts up stats galore, right? But he's never been on a winner. Mm-hmm. And nor has Russell Westbrook. Well, there's winning basketball and there's stat getting basketball, and that's what they Those do. Those guys are that they grab stats, you know. And that- and, and I, I think Russell Westbrook is at the end of it. I mean, I think that guy he's just uh, well, that whole Laker team is a clown show right now. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah, it's, it's a so clown much fun. Show. They 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 can't improve by the draft. They got rid of all their young players. Their their veteran leadership is getting hurt. There's there's just no cohesiveness in anything that they do. LeBron has so many miles on the odometer. They are screwed, and they mortgaged it all for that mm-hmm. one title that they had during the bubble year, which, by the way, since since Laker fans used to make fun of Spurs and say, oh, yeah, that 9-9 title didn't count, well, okay, well, then that bubble tournament didn't count. Right. Because that was not an NBA season. You can make fun of the Spurs, but the Spurs' 50-game season or 52-game season, whatever it was, that was a full season in the sense that it, it started, it ended, and the playoffs started. This one right here, the bubble season, the league stopped for months. And they and then they had no nobody in the crowd. There was no home team or road team. That is a a a weird championship. I will put the, well, the asterisk on is, that one. They not only stopped for a month for months. They played for like a week before they started the playoffs after restarting. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so and somehow or another, that's going to go down as a LeBron ring. Come on, that is the jokiest of all jokes of NBA titles. I, I agree with you. You know that '99 championship, though. I wish they would. The NBA season was like that every year, because every game that season meant something. I mean, you couldn't take a day off. You couldn't rest, guys. You had to win and win every game. They had what 50 or 52 games, um, so it was so much fun to watch. And the Spurs started off slow too. They did, and, and and it's tough. I mean, it was tough for them because you didn't have a lot of time to recover. You know, now you start in October, and yeah, if you stumble out of the gate, you got a lot of time to get things right. That season, you didn't. 
I mean, you had to play ball from the get-go. You tipped it up and you go. And, man, um, teams that stumbled, a lot of them couldn't get back up and get it done. So that that was a fun season. I wish the NBA would go back to that. Obviously, they won't because there's too much money involved. But, man, <laughs> I wish they would go back to that because that was a blast. It was like college football. You know, yeah. college football, every single game matters, you know, and, and that was the beauty of it. But, you know, you take a look at the Spurs that season. They finished 37-13. and 13. Uh, what an amazing run, and a lot of things went on that went perfect. Memorial Day miracle when it comes to uh, uh, Avery Johnson knocking down that bucket. And it, and and he wasn't necessarily known for that particular shot, but it, it was so interesting when that ball went in. It's like he just knew it, that it was going to go in. Yeah. And, and I always tell the story about being at the Alamo Dome, the last home game there was in the finals, because unfortunately the Spurs' first title was won on the road. Yes, it was. But being in the Alamo Dome and seeing people crying in the stands, and it wasn't like the cheering stopped at some point so that people could hug and were just getting emotional. And it was the first time that I had seen a Spur crowd get cocky. Not in a bad <laughs> way, not arrogant, but get cocky in the way of, this ain't coming back. We, you know we got this one in the bag, right? As long as Tim and 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 David are, are standing up, we're going to win this. But, man, I'll never forget the emotion uh, in the stands. I'll never forget uh, people hugging, just the, the strangers. It, it was it was a beautiful time frame uh, to be a, a San Antonian and, and to be a Spurs fan. Well, I mean, being at Madison Square Garden for that was, was incredible. I'd only been with a TV station about two years, maybe a little less. Um and to walk into Madison Square Garden and watch that, and then to to have the view that I had of Avery hitting that shot, um, man, it was just incredible. And you, you know, you get caught up in the fandom at that point. You've got work to do, and there was a lot of work to do. And I really didn't know what to do. And and I'll never forget. And I credit this guy all the time because he's just a great guy. Greg Simmons of KSAT Twelve helped me that day. And I'll never forget him for that. And he's helped me tr uh, a number of times after that. I mean, we're competitors, but that guy didn't care. He was, uh, if it wasn't for him that day, I probably would have missed out on a ton of stuff. So I will always remember and appreciate Greg Simmons for that. Um, consider him a very good friend, and, and I appreciate him. And yeah, that, you know, it's, he it's gave me my start. Well, it's nice. To, it's nice to say that on the radio, and I've told him that many times. But you know, so I, everybody else should know. So he's many a good people guy. in San Antonio. So many people in San Antonio who are in the media got their start because of Greg Simmons. He taught a work yeah, ethic. Yeah. He taught how to be prepared. And uh, you know, it's it's you know, we we lost uh Gary DeLon a, yes, a week we or did. so ago. Yeah. And and a few years back we lost Dan Cook. And it's just one of those things where, you know, um, you know, these were the greats of all time in San Antonio journalism history in, in sports. Yeah. And, you know, you've you were you've been doing your thing at Ken's for 25 years, man, uh, Greg Simmons has been rocking it for almost 40 Jeez. at KSAT. He's old, isn't he? And I got my start in the media a long time ago because of Greg Simmons. But That's yeah, a lot of guys have. And, and again, he's just that kind of guy. And I know Greg was hard on uh, back in the day. He was hard on mm -hmm. his people. He really was. He was hard on them. But you know what? It's kind of like pop in a way. He made them better. And and so and and it was good, but he always helped me out, and I and I I appreciate him for that. But hey, we can't be talking about Simmons too much, all right? I'm still working for Ken's it's, TV. Are so. you? Well, I am. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I'm still working for those guys. So you know, don't watch Simmons 
Okay, you got to watch us at Ken's Five. So at least, yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. At but thank, yeah, month. thank you, Greg. I tell, yeah, exactly right. I tell you what, um, I don't know. There's so much stuff going on, and then the breaking news with Monte Ginobili, that just makes me happy, and, and it just makes you want to relive the memories mm-hmm. that we all have of the San Antonio Spurs championship. But there is a lot going on, including Major League Baseball has just shot themselves in the foot, I believe. And I'm afraid that they are going to not survive this one. I'll tell you why. When the Blitz continues right here on ESPN AM 1250, 103.3 FM. It's Rob Tops, the biggest headlines in sports. Rudy J and I break them down weekday mornings, 7 till 10 on R&R in the morning. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. This is the Blitz right here on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. I'm Joe Ryan Eagle. That's Michael Jimenez filling in for the great Jason Minix. The great? Well, I, I felt generous. <laughs> the average Jason Minix? The above average. <laughs> the above average. Hey, if you want to uh, call in... And uh, forgive me for neglecting the phone lines here. The Kielbasa Bacon phone lines are open. If you've got a Monte Ginobili uh, memory that you want to share with us, or any Spurs Glory Day memory that you'd like to share, please do. Kielbasa Bacon phone lines are 656-ESPN or 656-3776. Of course, there's a 210 behind that. But uh, give us a call if you've got a memory. We'd love to hear about your memory of Monte Ginobili, who, by the way, was just... uh, named as a finalist for the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. And so congratulations goes out to Monte Ginobili and the entire Spurs franchise because he is the headliner. He's going to get in the in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't think there's any question about it. And so it's just a great day for the San Antonio Spurs and the city of San Antonio. I got a question for you all. How okay. cool is it because I look at what is on this ballot, the finalists that were mentioned. How cool is it for him that he gets to basically headline a ballot that's true i mean because you know tim duncan had to share the stage with kobe bryant right and and kevin garnett Garnett. so you know manu's basically going to have it to himself i mean because if anyone makes it with him it's not going to be as big of a name as big of a champion but i mean what i'm going to love about all this is that they're going to have to take down his jersey from the rafters and then put the Hall of Fame banner yeah, on are. there. That's right. Because that's what they have on David's, and yep. they have on Gervin's, and yep. that's what they have on Tim's. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see that. And then Tony Parker's eventually. I think that Tony's also a first ballot Hall of Famer as well. And that's not me just being a fanboy, but we had that, that, that conversation last hour about, you know, Chris Paul getting all the love and all of these point guards along the way, whether it be Gary Payton or Steve Ross, Nash, Steve Nash yeah. or Russell Westbrook. But you know what? John Stockton. Yep, John Stockton. Who has back the rings? The who, who has the rings? That's right. TP does it. TP nine has the rings. Most underrated point guard of his time, without a doubt, the most underrated. He didn't get the love he deserved, and I think I will say this: during his time, especially from about 05 to twenty ten, he was the best point guard in the league. I agree. Hey, does Pop get a banner? Absolutely, because he doesn't have a jersey number. No, he'll he'll get a banner. Remember, I mean Tom Landry, right in the Ring of Honor. With the Cowboys, he's got his hat. Oh, okay. Now, with Pop, I don't know. Do you put a beard on him? He yeah. He always have the beard, though. Yeah, I don't know. You I, I kind of like, like Pop <laughs> with a mullet. 
like when he two just, eyes he just shaved with off. like the the eyebrows like furrowed. Now, does the does the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame have a bust like the like the NFL? And if so, does Manu have hair or is he bald? And when you close your eyes and think about Manu Ginobili, is he a bald man? Or is he going around with hair flopping all over the place? You don't, have, you, don't, you don't have to close your eyes and imagine that. Just look at Jason Minnix. <laughs> he looks just like him. Dude, Minnix was talking to me about that yesterday. He goes, <laughs> I did not know that my bald spot was that bad until I saw the photos you were taking from the angle that you were at. Yeah, I think you put Minnix and, and Manu side by side. You couldn't tell the difference, except for the height, obviously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they both got the same bald Physique. spot. So, yeah, and physique, yes, that's exactly right. So, hey, Jason will be back here on Monday. He's just taking a well-deserved day off. That guy is a monster. I'm going to tell you, he doesn't get enough credit. We're at the Super Bowl. That guy, I mean, he runs that place. Oh, I know. He basically runs Radio Row. I mean, you've got you've got handlers coming up and talking to Jason, and, and Jason will say, nah, we don't want that. Or, yeah, we'll do that, but we can only do it here. And Nine times out of ten, he got what he wanted. Yeah, he said he told one of the players. Oh no, it was a mu- it was a musician. Diplo. Diplo. <laughs> yeah, he was like he was like no. Diplo can have his lunch after our interview. No, right? No, then we just won't have him. Well, yeah, well, we couldn't because we were about we were going to record that interview. Yeah, but we were about to go. We were about twenty minutes out from going live. And so we we had no time. So that was it. And so I think there was a little bit more time than that. I we, think I, th- I think he had about an hour and a half before going on. No, but the way no, that, oh, man, no. really, it was we were right against okay. it. Yeah, we were against it. Okay, then that makes sense. But it, it was just kind of funny out there. He was just like, no, no. But he knows every handler. He seems to know like every agent and every person out there because, uh, and but the weird thing about it is, and and the next time they have Radio Row, I'm gonna have I'm gonna walk around pretend like I work there, and I'm gonna give them <laughs> I'm gonna give them some some id cards that say please write down your name so that we know who you are because if they're not a quarterback we don't know who they are man justin jefferson was walking right around us repeatedly had no idea that that was on you oh come on dude like yeah justin jefferson walked in right now you would know who justin jefferson is or debo samuel (laughs) yeah really come on Now, Debo Samuels, yes, because he was walking around, and that was kind of cool to see him. Dude, that guy's legs. And then you know, there's some guys that are just ah, incredible. Some guys are just, I mean, Derrick Henry when he was walking around, you you knew, and he's got the hairdo, and and uh, I mean, he's just a big guy anyway. At the Emmett Smith party, though, we were like, "Who is this guy right here talking to Emmett?" We okay, so we're we're about to have a, a photo with with Emmett Smith, and we had just had a shot with him. Of of Eradura Tequila, which you can find at Texas Chill Liquor. Yes, you can. And and we're there, and we're waiting to 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 talk to him. Right, we're next in line, if you will, the five of us. And he's talking to this one guy, and this lady that that she, that he is with is talking to me, and I'm kind of chatting her up, just having a brief conversation. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this guy? And it's Aaron Jones, yeah, star running back of the Green Bay Packers. And it was so cool, but that was probably the best thing about radio row was seeing these players light up when they saw the legends go by when you see a running back sit there uh we had uh a blount uh he was there and then he saw barry sanders walk by and he just turned five years old all over again he became a fanboy. but when you see warren moon you saw joe montana out there uh that's so much fun and I, I know it's been a week but i'm still still Thinking about a uh, spectacular. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it, seeing Barry Sanders was incredible because of of all. T- I love Walter Payton, but man, for me, Barry Sanders 
was the guy. And I, man, I, I literally cried when he retired after only 10 years. And, oh man, he, just to watch that guy run was just the most incredible thing. And I just, I, you watch him with your mouth open. Dude, and when I saw him, I was in the green room, which I wasn't supposed to be in, apparently. <laughs> and, uh, because, you know, Minix going, Minix gets hangry. Yeah, he so, does. So, so he, he, he needed he snacks. He needed snacks. So I'm, I'm out getting, uh, fetching you and, and, and Minix some chips or something. And I'm in a green room that I'm not supposed to be in. And I look over to my left and there's this one guy standing there. And I'm going, man, I know this guy from somewhere. And then I'm looking at it because it's an older gentleman. Yeah. And I realize after about three seconds of looking at him that this is Barry Sanders. And in my head, I'm thinking about my football cards going, he's 5'8". I'm around that. That is the same guy. <laughs> yeah. That is the same guy. Man. But these guys need to be walking around. He needs to be wearing a Detroit Lions jersey all over the place so that we recognize who these guys are. Well, dude, I knew who Barry Sanders was <laughs> immediately. There was no issue there at all. And then Joe Montana walks by. You know who he is as well. And uh, yeah, it's just a really cool place to be because... Everybody converges there. I mean, they all are sponsored by somebody, right? We're They're all sponsored a, by somebody. We're, we're sitting at a table, and we see Sean Payton walk by, yep. and then here comes Micah Parsons, and then here comes C.D. Lamb, CD Lamb mm-hmm. and then here comes Debo Samuel, here comes Barry Sanders, Joe Montana, and throughout this entire thing, we have that loudmouth guy uh, doing his show, Pat McAfee. Oh, my God. He was about about 20 yards from our, our booth, but... My goodness, uh, they have the Old Spice deodorant booth right next to them for a reason. Which you took about 30 of, 13, I think, right? 13, My, but you know what? My wife put them in a nice little box. She was yeah. really excited about it. Was she going to re-gift? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe she will. So you've you've done some good. Hey, we're celebrating Manu Ginobili. He is a finalist for the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. If you've got uh, a memory of Manu you want to share with us and the rest of San Antonio, please do so. Kielbasa Bacon phone lines are open at 656-ESPN or 656-3776. We're also celebrating Tim Duncan, except there's one guy that's throwing a little trash his way. We're going to talk about that on the other side when we come back. Joe Reinager. Jason Minix, The Blitz. This is The Blitz. We are back on a Friday afternoon. Thank you for joining us and being here with us. I'm Joe Reinagel, and Michael Jimenez is sitting across the desk from me, filling in for Jason Minix today, who is off on a well-deserved day off. And uh, happy to have you here, Michael. You keep on saying well-deserved day off like you're trying to convince yourself that that's true. Well, yeah, I was a little upset that he took the day off. But, you know, it's like, and then when they told me that you were filling in, I'm like, jeez, you know, this guy's not starting off very well. I think I told you that I'm filling in, and you're just looking back at me kind of weird. Yeah, I was like, dude, did you just make that up? I mean, I want a contest again for this. Is that what it is? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm here because of Rock the Mic, and they just never got rid of me, right? Yeah, and so you just wormed your way into the building, and you said, ah, Minix is going to be off. I'm just going to (laughs) pretend. I know. Like Rob told me that uh, I can fill in. Dude, I, I somehow have a show here Monday through Friday. That's incredible, isn't, two, isn't that nice? Which is, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, I mean, Joe, I've known you for the longest time. Long time, I've yeah. I've known you for 22 years now, 23 years? Yeah, I would years? say, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. There was a, a time that uh, we were in the newsroom recently. Back, I, I went back to Ken's for about a year, year and a half to, to produce news, probably around 2013 or 14. Yep. And I remember Bill Taylor walking around the newsroom going, who was here in the 90s? 
And, and I don't know, he was like, show of hands. And you raised your hand and Sarah Lucero, who was at the, right. still there at the time, yeah. raised her hand and Deborah Knapp raised her hand. And then I was kind of like, kind of, cause I was here for a year in the nineties. But, uh, I just remember the reporters looking at me going, dude, you're old. Yeah. Yeah. So deceptively old, but, uh, 44 years ago you were hatched, right? So, correct. but I guarantee you, you are 103. I'm older than Rudy J by the way. Really? Did you know that? No, I didn't. But it's didn't. it's so funny because I I spent so much time, you know, watching you on TV for so many years, listening to Rudy J on the radio for so many years, and now I yeah. get to play with you guys on the radio. It's no, so it's, funny. Dude, it's nice. And it and, and it's a good group here, fun group here. We had a great time out in Los Angeles, everybody kind of getting to know each other and and uh all of that stuff. So that that was a that was a great trip. It really was. But today, Michael, we are celebrating one Manu Ginobili who is a finalist. He was named as a finalist for the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. And most likely, unless something just crazy happens, this guy gets in, without a doubt. Without a doubt. But Spurs fans, be prepared for those articles and those tweets coming out. They're going to say, wait a minute, Manu Ginobili was a sixth man. Wait a minute, he only averaged 13 points per game as an NBA player. But again, it is the Basketball Hall of Fame not the NBA Hall of Fame. And even if it was the NBA Hall of Fame, he probably still would have made it as well because he redefined his position, one of the greatest six men of all time. And no yep. one considered him to be a backup player. And one of the things about it is, you'll you'll take a look at interviews from before he passed, Kobe Bryant talking about Manu and say that Manu was one of the best uh, shooting guards that he ever faced and that how it was difficult to prepare for him and to plan for him. Uh, he has the respect in the league. And and if you were to ask NBA players now, hey, Manu Ginobili, Hall of Famer, yes or no, it'd almost be unanimous, a yes. I guarantee it would be unanimous. I don't think there's any question about it. He's a special player and uh, had a lot of respect from around the league. So if you've got a Manu Ginobili story you want to share with us, you can certainly do that. Kiabasa Bacon phone lines are open at 656-ESPN or 210-656-3776. You can also tweet at us. I am at Joe Kins 5 Michael is at Mike ESPN SA, so let us know what you think about the Monte Ginobili news. But there's more news out today that kind of irritates me. I know it irritates you, <laughs> Pledge. It irritates Spurs fans in general. Tracy McGrady was on Shaquille O'Neal's podcast. It's called the Big... I don't know what it's called, the the Big Pod. or the Big Pod, I think The Big Pod. I, I get that. Shaquille's a big dude. Well, Tracy McGrady said something I find very disparaging to Tim Duncan when he's talking about his MVP award back in 2003. MVP race. When I was coming up, I always thought the MVP was the baddest mofo, shut your mouth, Man, in, the, let me tell you in the game. No, but hold on, let me finish. Now it's, yeah, he's a bad player, but his team. So now people focus on teams. I always thought it was, as a player, if you're the baddest guy in the league, you should be MVP. Now so, it's, oh, his team is in first, his team is in fourth. I don't so, like that. Yeah. I, I don't like that because that's that's not a real MVP to me. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Because you own a championship team and you're the best player on a championship team. Of course, right? But when you look at a guy that um, I, I'll say is putting up crazy numbers, doesn't really have the talent like some of these elite teams have. Like and Westbrook he, did that year. Yeah, like Westbrook did that year, and he gets his team into the playoffs, whether it's the seventh or eighth seed, he doesn't have that type of talent around him. That's an MVP to me because if you take him off of that, they won't make the playoffs, 
right? And, right. and I had a year like that, my 2003 year. I mean, when I played for the Magic, of course, I'm, I'm not playing with no other All-Stars. I get guys that's never made an All-Star team, right? And I get my team, I think we got to the, like the sixth seed, and I'm averaging 32 points, and I can't get that. You take me off of that team, we're a lottery pick. We're a lottery team, right? Who mm -hmm. so won MVP that year? I think Tim Duncan got it that year. Tim Duncan got it mm -hmm. that year. And, and the Spurs, you take you take him off of the Spurs, they still make the, the playoffs. That's true. Because they were that great. That's true. So what? Whoa, 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 whoa. They make the playoffs. No, yes, no, they, they do. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. They're going to, you crazy. No, they don't. Why they don't? Because a lot of those guys got their success off of him. Bruh. Yeah, he got double. He kicked out the Ginobili's. No. They have a well oiled machine. Yeah, Tim Duncan. Way to go, Shaq. That's fantastic. Hey, O'Neal, um, you know, taking up for the Spurs, who would have thunk that? But Shaq has a lot of respect for Tim Duncan. Uh, there's no question about it. But, you know, Tracy McGrady wasn't even second that year in the MVP voting. He was fourth. He was fourth, yeah. He was behind uh, Kevin Garnett. Yep. And uh, oh, I'm trying to figure out who was third place. But it, but he was Kobe, Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant yeah. was third. But I'm taking a look at, at Tracy McGrady's stats. Okay, he had a fantastic year that year. 32 points a game, 6.5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, almost two steals a game, and also a block a game. I mean, he had a monster year. I get that. But, I mean, it's not like these other players didn't have monster years either. So, I mean, I understand why he's upset about it all, but his whole thing about, you know, my team wouldn't have made the playoffs if it wasn't for me. It would be a lottery team if it wasn't for me. That's true. But that doesn't mean that teams that are winning titles shouldn't be considered for MVP, and Duncan had an MVP year. See, I, I don't look at it the way Tracy McGrady looks at it, because if you do, then DeJounte Murray ought to be talked about as an MVP. The stats that he's putting up this year with a team that I think most would consider rebuilding and not very good. All right? I mean, it's just a fact. They're getting better, obviously, but at this point in time, as we sit here today, not very good, right? So DeJounte Murray, by Tracy McGrady's explanation there should be mentioned in the MVP race. Look, you're either the best player or you're not. doesn't matter what team you're on. It makes no difference what team you're on. You're either the best player in the NBA that year or you're not. And that's the way I think it should be judged and graded. It's just jealousy. It's got to be. That's all that it is because, you know, McGrady didn't have any glory. You know, he, he made his all-star appearances. You know, he had his slam dunk contests. He, he 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 had a good career. He had a very good career. But it's just one of those things where he's looking back at it, and because he didn't have glory, that was going to be his championship ring right there. And he almost won one with the Spurs, by the way. He almost did. Yeah. And it took that. It took him getting to the Spurs before he had a chance because he was on some bad teams. He was a good player on some bad teams, and he just uh, he never really got over that hump, and he couldn't do it himself. Nobody can. Nobody can. But it's funny seeing these players like Shaquille O'Neal and before his passing, Kobe Bryant, come back and be nostalgic about the Spurs and go, man, they were great. And I know that they've also talked about how they were rivals with the Kings as well. But that whole Kings rivalry wasn't really a rivalry because the Kings never got over on the Lakers. The Lakers beat them down. And and uh, there was that one series where the officials like swallowed their whistles the entire time. You remember <laughs> that. But 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 you take a look at it. The, the the legacy that the Spurs had, the rivalry that the Spurs had with the Lakers, lasted for over a decade. 
And it, it went throughout Aftershock to, to Kobe and Paul Gasol. You know, so it lasted over a decade. And we may never see something like that again. But I'm glad that these players are coming back, like Shaq is coming back saying, you know what, no, that was a great team, that Manu was great, that Duncan was great. And they're, they're getting their, their, their love now, their respect now. My favorite part about that whole part of the interview on the big podcast with Shaq was the fact that it was like he was playing with All-Stars, in which 2003, none of them were All-Stars yet <laughs> outside of Tim Duncan. As a matter of fact, Speedy Claxton was taking Tony Parker's end-of-job game because he couldn't be trusted at that point. And then later in it, he goes, by the end of his career, it was Tony Parker's team. Yeah, but we're talking about the 2003 MVP, not 2014. Yeah, Tracy McGrady is uh, judging it on a career, not that particular year. That was but, probably the worst of the Spurs five, right? The Spurs five championship runs. That was probably the worst team of the of the five. I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps it was. It might have been the easiest run to get to that, and then you know the New Jersey Nets weren't really all that great. No. That, you know, and it's been that way for a long time. The East just hasn't been as good as the West, for whatever reason, and I'm not sure how that plays out, but it certainly was that way back in those days, except 2005, where the Detroit Pistons were monsters, and they were physical, they were tough, and they were just mean, and uh, so that was a great series. 07, maybe, I don't know, that Cleveland team was bad. It was they a bad They had LeBron team. James, but they, they were bad, and the Spurs easily won that thing. My favorite part of this whole run the Spurs had was the fact that the Phoenix Suns never got to win anything. I absolutely <laughs> love seeing Steve Nash get absolutely nothing, and Sean Marion, and all those guys. I, I remember, I remember where I was. I was at Cornival in Helotus that day when Steve Nash got chucked into the into the scores table. That was beautiful. They were playing it on this massive screen over there, and I remember just jumping up and down and laughing and seeing all these Suns players run onto the court. And going, you're suspended, you're suspended, you're suspended. But it, it's great to be nostalgic about these games when it comes to the Spurs because unlike Cowboy fans, you know, the Cowboys had a huge run in the 90s, right? And that was you know, a, a four-year run right there. Mm -hmm. But you look at the Spurs, we had run going from 99 all the way to a, what, about 2016, 2017? Yeah. I mean, yeah. almost 20 years of of, of a run. It, 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 people will... will Refused to call it a, a a dynasty. It was beyond a dynasty. It was Absolutely. an era. It was a dynasty. Who's not going to call that a oh, dynasty? I do, I do too. But there's the the haters and detractors will say that. But it was an era, no different than the New England Patriots in the NFL. I, I think it's much different. I don't know how many years the Patriots got into the playoffs and how many times they made the playoffs. But the Spurs, twenty years of making the play—that's unheard of in pro sports. It's just unheard of. It doesn't happen. And Spurs fans get used to it because I, I can't even imagine that ever happening again. It's it's unheard of. It, that's why we need to look back and we can sit here and talk and be nostalgic and, and share our memories because it was such a special time. And I really feel bad for Spurs fans now that maybe missed out on that. I really do because, man, it was such a special time. And, and just... You knew the Spurs were going to make the playoffs. You knew it. Mm -hmm. You had no doubt when the season started, Spurs were going to be in the playoffs, and they had a shot to win it all. And it had to take something weird, like the point four, 
or had to take something like a Ray Allen shot or plantar fasciitis for Tim Duncan. Yeah. An injury like that. Uh, Manu hacking Dirk Nowitzki. It was always something weird that got the Spurs taken out. It was never that they got beaten down. The only time I can think of that the Spurs got beaten down when they were healthy or at least relatively healthy was that one time where they were the one seed and lost to the Grizzlies. Memphis, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that too. Even the even the time between 07 and 14. You know, Spurs fans were like, "Oh no, you know, what let's make some changes." You know how Spurs are now. Now they have Twitter and it really gets out of hand and it's crazy. But yeah, we were spoiled rotten, and we, to some extent, Spurs fans are still that way. But I'm so excited about the Spurs now. One week ago, I was just despondent, man. I was just wandering around going, man, this team is going to take three, four, five years to come back around. But now I see light at the end of the tunnel. Now, everything that I've asked for this year that I wanted from the Spurs front office has happened. And because of that, I am so happy right now as a Spurs fan. We have hope. I was so excited. I remember when... When when we were in and Radio Row, you know the the th- news of the Thad Young trade happened, and I was super excited. And then when the Derek White trade happened, I got even more excited. These are the things that I wanted. Spurs have the cap space; they now have the draft capital to do trades. They have the cap space to pay the small market tax. I call it the small market tax because again, dollar for dollar, people aren't coming to San Antonio. We have to overpay if we want to overpay. The Spurs have. Three draft, first-round draft picks this year, two in 2025. Doesn't mean that we're going to draft them, but what it does mean is that we can always trade them. If the Spurs make a run and try to get into the play-in tournament, I'm happy. I was part of Team Tank. I was the captain of Team Tank for so long, but now I can't complain. I wanted Vassell to be a starter. I wanted Primo to get minutes. Everything that I wanted has now come true. It's almost as though, it's almost as though Brian Wright listens to halftime Monday through Friday from noon to two. Yeah, you keep thinking that. <laughs> you keep thinking that, and I hope that helps you sleep better. By the way, I've got some chunkless in the office for you. And they they also call those flip flops. Flip flops. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Dude, no, you're no. flipping around like a catfish on a on the deck. How, how, how can I come how, on? How, how can I not be happy Flip-flop. for what the Spurs have done? No, you should. When be. they've done everything that I wanted, because I I've been saying this from the get go. My problem is, and this is what I get concerned about, is why do the Spurs wait so long to do the obvious? The obvious was that Derek White was not a compliment for Dejounte Murray. That was obvious. The obvious was they should have they should have been playing Keldon Johnson, but they waited. They should have been playing, well, Devin Vassell, had there been a G League that year, in the COVID year, they would have sent him down there. We never would have seen him. It's almost like it has to be forced upon Pop for this to happen. Nothing was forced upon anybody. Nothing was forced upon anybody. If you have Derek White and you're paying Derek White the money that you're paying Derek White, what, are you going to bench him? No, you're not. You're not going to do that. Repurpose him as a six-man. Dude, please. But he's good. But this, was, but that that Boston trade, by the way, which is funny because the Boston media, CelticsBlog.com, said that, that the Spurs took advantage of the Celtics. That the Richardson for White was what they thought what the trade was going to be, and they're like, oh, okay, I guess. But when they found that Romeo Langford was part of it and a first round draft pick, a lot of Celtics fans were upset. But I will say this though, I think it's a win win for both teams. Timing is everything. And that's what happened in this particular deal. So everybody can scream and cry and, you know, Primo needs to play. Vassell needs to play. Vassell needs to start. And now and, he is. And yeah, now he is. You're right. And that, that cleared the way. And Vassell's effort and his play facilitated being able to get rid of Derek White. 
And you're right. So Derek White goes to Boston, and he's doing – it is a win-win because he is blowing up there. But, you, you know – I have this ongoing joke that if 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 the G League existed back in 2003 and 05, that Parker and Monty would have gone out there, and we never would have had them on the varsity squad. But fortunately, it didn't exist back then. Well, I'm glad that it didn't, but they would have come up pretty soon. I mean, they had to learn on the fly back then, and Tony Parker used to get his head chewed off daily, if not multiple times daily, for that to happen. But I, I just get frustrated because we look back, and this team, again, have we mentioned it? 20 years, they go to the playoffs. 20 years. I think Pop might know what he's doing. I mean, I don't know. Let me just throw that out there. He might know what he's doing. So all of a sudden, they have a couple of bad years, and all of a sudden, Pop doesn't know what he's doing anymore. No, no, it has nothing no, no, to do no, with that. No, 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 it does. Hang on a second. Yes, it does, because that's what that's what all the geniuses on Twitter seem to Pop, just, he's lost it. I want him fired. He needs to get out of here. He's lost it. He doesn't know what he's doing. After a 20-year run... And five championships, I think Pop knows what he's doing. So you got to trust the process. You can't just get on and say things and live in a fantasy world where it doesn't exist. I think you need to be set up for success. Okay. And I think first and foremost, that needs to be the case. I think Devin Vassell is being set up for success because he's a better compliment for DeJounte Murray. But going to, to Greg Popovich, if you had asked me a week ago before all of these moves were done, that if I was done with with Greg Popovich, if, if I wanted him to go out and retire, I would have said yes because I don't think he was the best fit. Popovich, as great as he is, he could be the greatest of all time. You want to call him the goat? I believe that he is. Then then that's great, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the right coach for a rebuild. He's not Larry Brown. Larry Brown was designed for a rebuild. Greg Popovich is designed to to get the most out of a good team, make a good team great. Did I mention and, and that's, twenty years of? He had to rebuild there was that. No, there was no rebuild, dude. Of course there they, was. There was there was a ping-pong ball where Tim Duncan got drafted number one, and he had David Robinson relatively towards the back end of his prime. Dude, he did not do a rebuild. Popovich never so, did So a Tim rebuild. Duncan just automatically came into the NBA and was a superstar. Is that what you're telling me? Tim Duncan was one of the few surefire, obvious Hall of Famers to dude, be drafted in the NBA. Here's what I'm... And I'm going to break your heart, Michael Jimenez. If I'm looking and I'm listening... And I got Greg Popovich sitting in one chair and Michael Jimenez in the other. Guess who I'm listening to? Oh, I don't no, mean I to hurt that. you. Oh, well, no. But that's what I'm saying. Spurs fans, and it's great, and it's great for sports talk, and, and that's why I love sports because everybody has an opinion. But there's a method to what happens. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You have no clue what's going on. You could say, Devin Vassell needs to start. Well, okay, maybe he does, but maybe there's a method to what's going on that we're not privy to. The point I'm trying to make about Greg Popovich is that I now want him to stay. Well, why? And, and it's the a reason, rebuild. And the reason why I want him to stay is because I don't think that that if everything goes as planned this offseason, it's no longer a rebuild. It's more of a recharge or a reload at that point. Because the Spurs now have the draft capital to do trades. And now Brian Wright, who we've always said for so long, the Spurs never do anything at the trade deadline. And they did something. They didn't just do something. They got rid of Brent Forbes, got two second rounders for that. They got rid of that young, got a first round out of it. They flipped Derek White, got two young players out of it and a first round draft pick. And now the Spurs have turned the corner. That's beyond Greg Popovich, because I don't know if that's Greg Popovich 
turning those wheels because that is something that you do from you a don't GM think Pop standpoint. had anything no, to do no, with no, that. No, no, no. I'm saying that that is that 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 is not his job. I'm sure he has influence on of it. Of course, it's his job. I'm sure he has influence on it, and <laughs> and, and I'm sure they're not going to throw players out so, there. So that he's Brian not Brian want. Wright is not going to make a move without sitting down with Greg Popovich and saying, "Hey, that's not what I said." Well, that, that, that is that, that is that, what that, you're that's saying. That's not what I'm saying. So it's all Brian Wright. Pop has nothing to do well, with well, it. Obviously, they're going to consult a Hall of Fame coach. That is obvious, and they're obviously going to consult. R.C. Buford, who will be in the Hall of Fame as well. That I understand. But what I am saying is, is that Brian Wright apparently may have more leeway or more room to, to, to maneuver than we all originally thought. I think Popovich is going to be a good, is, is in a good position here to come off and, and reload this team if the Spurs get a, a, a good player in free agency, a very good player in free agency. I'm not talking about Doug McDermott, who I like, but a star player in free agency or if the Spurs can trade for one because they have the draft capital to do so. Because I think Pop makes good great, but when he comes to, to, to dealing with younger players, he has refused to play them in the past. We know this, man. We, he's refused. He, he has his players, and he finally started getting rid of them. It, things have changed, but no, Pop never did a rebuild. He never did. That's re- revisionist history there. He, he got Tim Duncan, and he ran with him, and he did a fantastic job with him. No different than Phil Jackson had a, a fantastic run with Michael Jordan, with Kobe, and with Shaq. You had the bet one of the best players around, and Duncan was a surefire Hall of Fame. The Spurs were offered the third and six by Boston in that draft, and they said, heck no, beyond heck no. They did not want the three and six. They wanted Tim Duncan because every five or ten years or so, there is a surefire Hall of Famer in the draft. It happened to be with Tim Duncan. Ten years prior to that, it was David Robinson, LeBron James. There's every five to ten years, there's one, and there's not one this year in the draft. There hasn't been one in a while. Probably since, who? I mean, it's been a while since we've Boston had Boston was supposed to win that lottery. Yeah. They, they had the most balls in that lottery. They got Mercer and Batie instead. Yeah, but they were suppo- They already had Tim Duncan suited up in a Boston <laughs> green uniform. So they were supposed to win that. They had the most balls. So, and that feeds into the whole thing that it's just automatic if you tank and you lose <laughs> and you've got the most balls in the, in, the, in the hopper. It doesn't work that way. Look, look. Brian Wright doesn't make that move if Pop doesn't sign off. I agree on with it. you on that. There, there's no question in my mind. But my question is: Is Brian Wright the one driving the, the driving the trade machine? I I can see he's driving the trade machine, going Pop. You go. You okay with this? No. Or is or is that it Pop? Or is, or is it Pop tr- driving the trade machine? Absolutely. And then saying Brian Wright make this happen. Absolutely. I. Well, but it's, it was, it, it's, it's a it's, team effort. Okay. It's easier with. It's easier. But I guarantee you, Pop's going. Brian Wright's sitting there. Hey. Uh, the Boston Celtics just called. They like Derek White. This is what they're offering. Pop's mm-hmm. going to say, no, I don't want that. Brian Wright's going to go back to uh, Boston and say, guess what? We're, we're not going to make that deal. Jeff Garcia from Ken's 5 Locked on Spurs on YouTube saying, Pop learned from Don, his mentor Don Nelson on not playing young players. He didn't play young players. But but look at look at Josh Primo right now. Everybody's calling Primo for is a baby. Everybody's everybody's <laughs> talking about Josh Primo and he needs to play and he's to play. Right now, the kid can't get out of his own way. But you know what? It's good to learn on the job. It's and on, that's on, what in, he's in, doing in, a, in, in the G League. And I love it. That's what he's doing in the G League. He's not going back. Everybody's everybody's talking about Josh Primo needs to play. He just doesn't have the stamina yet. He doesn't know the NBA yet. At the he end, is he's a baby. At the end okay. of the day, I'm Primo happy. Is a baby. At the end of the day, I'm happy with 
everything the Spurs have done. You can call that a flip-flop, but everything that I wanted as a oh, fan... Oh, I do call it a flip-flop, and it is. The, everything I wanted <laughs> as a fan has come true, and I'm happy as a Spurs fan because we have hope. And you know what? We have outs. We have the ability to make moves, and I'm saying we because... I'm a Spurs fan, and Cowboy fans get to do that. I get to do that. You're a Titan fan. You, if you I, I, got, we, I got no problem. I'm woo! a Spurs fan, too. But in this one, you got to trust the process, my friend. And you can't just get on Twitter and make a wish list of things that to happen. It just doesn't happen that way. But it's been like Santa Claus visited because the, the wish list came true. And you should have trusted the process. And we'd be sitting here today agreeing on this instead of disagreeing. I knew it would happen. We went two and a half hours <laughs> without an argument, and it happened. I think it's good. So I think that's a, it's a good time to tease something that is just disgusting. What a teacher did to a bunch of students. We're going to talk about that right after a Sports Center update with James Pledger. Joe Reinagle. Jason Minix. The Blitz. On San Antonio Sports Star. ESPN 1250. 103.3 FM. I have a little air guitar, baby, huh? Come on. Damn it. The Admiral, David Robinson, is uh, participating in uh, some of the all-star activities. Not absolutely participating, but talking. He's there. He's there. Needs to unbutton that top button there. He does, and uh, maybe just shave off that thing on the top of his head right there. (laughs) Right? I mean, just... (laughs) I love you, David I love David. Are you kidding me? I love David Robinson. He's the greatest. He's the greatest. And this is the Blitz. Yeah. ESPN, AM 1250, 103.3 FM. Glad you're tuned in today. I'm Joe Reinagle. That's uh, Michael Jimenez. It's not Jason Minnix sitting over there today. It's Michael Jimenez who is filling in for Jason Minnix, who is uh, taking the day off. I didn't say well-deserved day off. He's just taking the day off, whether it's deserves or not. There you go. Do you fight with him the it's way my that you... partner. Do you fight with him the way that you and I just fought? I thought you were going to send me to my room. Maybe not as intently as <laughs> uh, as that is, because Jason's a little smarter than that. So yeah, we you, you, have... you've still got a lot to learn. You're like one of the young kids I need to send to the G League. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, Primo is a baby. We need yeah, to have that, exactly that, that right. seven-second delay button going. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a fun debate, and that's look, th- dude, that's why I love sports because everybody's got an opinion, right, wrong, and different. It doesn't matter, and that's why I love doing this show because I love to hear from from folks that are out there. By the way, you can call in on the Kiabasa Bacon phone line at six five six ESPN. Or six five six three seven seven six, or hit us up on Twitter at at Jokins five or at Mike ESPN SA. But that's what I love about sports because everybody's free to have an opinion and and say what they think and cheer for their team and want their team to to get better and win. And and that's that's the beauty of it. And that's why I love it. And what credibility do I have? I'm just the dude at the end of the bar talking sports, man. That's it. It, it is it is sports talk. It is bar talk without the alcohol right now, dude. That's all we do. Well, you bought me a beer because you were wrong, and so you (laughs) lost that argument. So I got the free beer, and uh, you had to buy. So no, no, that's fun, and that's why I love it, and it's it's great. Um, And and if you haven't heard the news, if you're just tuning in, Monte Ginobili, a finalist for the uh, Pro Basketball Hall of Fame, and everybody, obviously, we're celebrating that today because he is one of the greatest dudes to ever live, not just on the basketball court, but in real life, he is just a great guy, and that 
I love Monty Ginobili. I just, yeah. think, I just think he's the best. Now, you did say in the last hour that Monty Ginobili is the most loved yeah. spur of all time. Right. I believe you. I, I agree with you on that. Put a poll out on Twitter asking that question. Right. In, the, in the past hour, we've had 75 people vote, and uh, you know, it's neck and neck. Tim Duncan at 49%, Manu at 45 David Robinson at 6 Kind of weird. Not one vote for Tony Parker. Wow, so he's on the list. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's just Tony Parker, right? I mean, disrespected. Or not disrespected. Underestimated, perhaps. Right. He doesn't get the same love that those other three guys do. And I get that. And I think even Tony knows that. And I don't know if it bothers him or not. Maybe it does. Way down deep inside somewhere. <laughs> he cries in his pillow when he goes to sleep. San Antonio doesn't love me. But how many rings does Steve Nash and Chris Paul have exactly. combined? Exactly. I have four. And they combined have, I believe it's zero? I don't know. Yeah, it is zero, isn't it? Yeah. You're exactly right. So there you go. The most underrated point guard of his time, without a doubt, Tony Parker. Loved watching that guy play. One of the toughest guys to ever play the game of basketball. Oh, I know. And he hit the ground, hit the floor every time he went into the lane. And he kept going in the lane. He kept going, kept getting knocked down, kept going, kept getting knocked down. And once he developed his jump shot, Boom. That's it he, right there. The rocket. And that's why off. that's why I get excited about players like Keldon Johnson. Because Keldon Johnson has gone from a 34% three-point shooter to a 43% yeah. three-point shooter. Obviously, he's putting in the time and the effort to go out there and learn and be coachable. And that's what gets me so excited. I'm, I'm still kind of questioning as to who has the higher ceiling. Is it Vassell or is it Keldon? Right now, I still think it's Vassell. I'm a big Vassell fan. Huge fan. That's why I want him to start for so long. But uh, it's going to be exciting because uh, I've, I always say you need two stars to be a playoff team and you need three stars to be relevant. Spurs have one star in DeJounte Murray. Maybe there's one in the stable. We've got to go get a well, third I think one. there is. I think there's there's more than one in the stable. The two guys you're just talking about, Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, I think both of those guys are going to be a factor Moving forward with this team and a big factor in the NBA overall. So yeah, hey, don't I, th- forget I think the you baby it. too. Well, Josh Primo needs to grow a little. Yeah, he's he's not there yet. Oh no, as, and we're not as, expecting him to be there. Well, a lot of people are because people as soon as he was drafted, people wanted him in the starting lineup. <laughs> well, I don't know if anybody wanted the starting lineup, but the fact of the matter is that when he played college ball that one season, he should have been in high school. That was sure he, he was the age to be in high school, and right now. He's the age to be a freshman in college. So what he's doing right now is impressive to me. Even when he struggles, sure. it's impressive to me. What's impressive, the fact that he, he got drafted. He's in the NBA. He was 18. Now he's 19 years old. But you got to remember, and you're exactly right, one year of college. And that step up from college to the pros is ginormous. Yeah. Okay. Keldon Johnson is finding that out. Keldon Johnson, same thing. He comes in. He has a couple of good games. Everybody's out. Oh, Keldon Johnson's the next coming of of Michael Jordan, and and so it, it just takes a while because the talent level from where they were, even playing at Kentucky, from where they were to where they are now, is just it's monumental. The step up. The two things that happened after Primo was drafted because I was upset when he got drafted when his name was called. I was like, oh man, because I, I wanted, think a lot of people were. I wanted yeah. Sangoon, uh, who went to Houston, uh, but. There was two things that happened that night where I got over it. One was Brian Wright saying Primo probably would have been a top five pick the following year. Yeah. And I thought, okay. And then finding out that Sam Presti from Oklahoma City wanted him, 
and that was trying to trade his way up to get him. I was like, okay, if Presti wants him, I believe it. Yeah. I'm a believer now. So uh, obviously this was not going to be a pick that was going to be a quick turnaround like Duncan, uh, but it was going to be one of those things where it's a project three, four, five years out. But what we're seeing right now, as young as he is, I'm happy with what we got. Well, I think, again, the sky's the limit for this kid, He's but he's got a lot to learn. He absolutely has a lot to learn. And Greg Popovich is going to be his coach for a few more years. You think a few I more do, years? Because Pop is enjoying what he's doing right now. Wow. He's enjoying it. And I don't see him leaving anytime soon. And I know that disappoints a lot of people. I'm happy about it. I Because, I the you know, Greg Popovich... I don't like the politics and all of that stuff. He's free to do it, and that's cool. I don't care. But he's one hell of a basketball coach. And I just think that he is the right guy for this team right now. I honestly do, and I think he's going to be around a while. I mean, what else is he going to do? It's, it's he's, like it's, he's, he's healthy, but he's got nothing else to do. You know, I mean, honestly. So I, I can't see Pop going and sitting in a rocking chair somewhere. And, or he doesn't play golf that I'm aware of. And I just don't see him leaving anytime soon. To me, it's like a chef. You know, you could be the greatest cook of all time, greatest chef of all time, but if you don't have the ingredients in front of you, you can't put anything together. And I never really equated him to be like Larry Brown because Larry Brown was somebody who was more of a teacher. And he was more of somebody who would would bring somebody from the ground floor and bring them well, up. Well, who do you but, think Pop but, learned but no, from? But, but the thing is, uh, no, no, but the thing is, is that Larry Brown never got that glory in the NBA. You know, he he would he would get teams up, but he could never get them to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. And I, I have always found that Popovich is best when he has the tools around him. He doesn't have to have everything around him, but he needs to have more tools around him. And now with the way that the team is formulated and, and he has built some of these players up like like Vassell and, and the Spurs have done a good job with the draft when it comes to Vassell, getting Keldon Johnson as part of the trade for uh, Kawhi Leonard building Pirtle up, he's done a good job of that. But now it's just one of those things where I take a look at it, and if they can get him that second star, whether it's a Zach Levine or a a Carl Anthony Towns or a DeAndre Aiden, if they can get another star in the offseason because they have the draft capital to make that happen, then I'd want him to stay at this point. Call me a flip-flopper all you want at that point, but now I'm 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 going, hey, that's the chef I want in the kitchen doing the cooking right now because he has the weaponry around him. Because very much like Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson was great when he had great players. And and that's why I think Pop is a much better coach. And that debate, to me, is out the door. Agreed. Out the door completely. Uh, because Phil Jackson had a ton of stars at his disposal everywhere he coached. So I've got a whole closet full of chonklas for you. <laughs> Boy, you are a flip-flopper, dude. Oh. I'm going to start calling you Michael Flip-Flop Jimenez. Every, everything I wanted came true. Michael Flip-Flop Jimenez. Brian Wright, R.C. Buford. Put that, put that on your tweets, Michael Flip Flop Jimenez. It's almost like my tweets out there came true. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost uh, like yeah. it's almost like when Pledge and I were watching college basketball a couple of years ago, doing Saturday morning hangover here on San Antonio Sports Star. It's almost like when we were watching Florida State, going, you know that Devin Vassell guy? We really like him. We'd love for him to be a spur. We kept on talking about that on Saturdays. You, you put it out in the atmosphere, and that's what happens. It it's manifests kinda, it's, itself. It's right? kind of like, yeah, when I'm, I'm looking at a Traeger, and now all of a sudden on my phone is got, got barbecue stuff <laughs> all over the place. That's the way it works. Siri is listening to everybody. Hey, we're going to take a break right here on The Blitz on ESPN AM 1250. But when we come back, 
103.3 FM, too, by the way. When we come back, Michael Jimenez just might have a movie review for you. So stick <laughs> around for that. We'll be back. Hey, guys, it's Rudy J. Your home for sports talk is right here on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 1250 and 103.3 FM. I've got nowhere else to go. <laughs> Dude, I, I, let me tell you something. Sitting here in between flip-flop Jimenez and pleasure over here, these these both of you need to go back to the G League. Because <laughs> y'all, y'all got things to learn. We were having a, continued our discussion in the break right there. Man, what a fun show this has been, Michael. Oh, Jimenez. I've had a, I've had fun a blast. Fun and frustrating. <laughs> Man, no, you know what? It's good. It's good to get that off my chest. It's a Friday. I mean, how can you be upset on a Friday? We're talking sports. We're having a debate, and uh, everything is good. They yeah. continued, by the way, into the... Uh, into the break there, but that's good. This is The Blitz, by the way, on ESPN AM 1250 and 103.3 FM. I'm Joe Reinigle. That's Michael Flip-Flop Jimenez. Pleasure's <laughs> working the buttons back here. The acquired taste. Yeah, the, the, the acquired, acquired flip-flop. flip-flop. <laughs> you, ever, you, ever went, you ever go fishing, Jimenez, and, and you bring the fish up, and it gets on the dock, and it's just like bah, all over the place, flipping around, flopping around. That's what you look like. Hey, man, you know, it's so funny. The, during the break, it, it was nice and peaceful in this room. And then the, and we're coming out like five seconds to, uh, to, to go before we come back on. And Pledge is like, hey, remember when the Spurs tanked to get Tim Duncan? And you, got all, you got all pissed off for like five they, seconds. They, well, they didn't tank. Good organizations don't tank. That's right. Legitimate Tim ones Duncan? don't. You're exactly right. They, they still had no guarantee. Boston had the balls. There's no, <laughs> there's no guarantee, but you improved your odds by Boston not had all the balls in the thing, and the Spurs got lucky. Hey, Whatever hey, helps you hey, sleep hey, at night, Joe. Did the Knicks uh, get Patrick Ewing with a cold envelope? Do you believe in that uh, urban legend? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the frozen envelope. That's right. Yeah, wow. Yeah, because you saw David Stern go over there and grab one envelope and fuel for the other and fuel for the other. <laughs> Ah, uh, you conspiracy nope, theorists. No, nope, that one's not cool. <laughs> conspiracy theorists. Yeah, who knows, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's the Knicks. They're kind of a crooked organization anyway. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, but thank you for doing the Officer and a Gentleman uh, reenactment. Yes. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, on Wednesday, we do movie reviews on halftime at one thirty, and Joe kind of, he becomes part of it. But I, I off the top of my head, I was not planning on it. To have you do that, but I'm glad that you ran with it. Well, you just you asked me to to say that, and so I mean that's a that's a a pretty good line in that movie, right? And a pivotal part of the movie. I've when, got nowhere else to go. Yes, <laughs> and by the way, believe it or not, that's not Richard Gere. That's me. I mean, it sounds just like him. I mean, it, it, yeah, wow, it's like Richard Gere. Only the guy is more attractive. You know. <laughs> well, thanks, man. You're talking. I'm more attractive than Richard that's Gere. What I was that's saying, exactly man. right. I, I set you up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I think the flip flop. I think the flip flop's going to catch on, Michael. I really do. Oh, it's, it's going to catch on, buddy. I, I hope so, man, because again, you know, I love the promo where that guy called in and said, uh, you're an acquired taste. And then the next guy who calls in goes, Hey, acquired taste. I have a question. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. It catches on. Uh, let me ask pledge a, a, a business question. What's, what's the out time pledge? 5550. 5550. Okay. 47. Yeah, Minix usually does that. And I sit yeah. here and I just, you know, I, I look at my phone or whatever and he has to work. <laughs> I actually had to work today. 
<laughs> right. I mean, bringing us in and out. I had to worry. It was, it was a lot of fun, though. And uh, again, Jason Minix will be back with us on Monday, and Michael will be where he's supposed to be, flip flopping on halftime. And um, hey, we're so having a birthday. Back. How they party for half for? San Antonio Sports Star, turning 14 years old next week. Yeah. Next Thursday at the Rue Pub, we'll all be out there. Troy Eggman will be out there. Uh, his beer is available at the Rue Pub, by the way. So you mm-hmm. can try that if you haven't had a chance to do it. It's really good. Eight it's really Elite sp- Lager. Yeah. Eight, eight Elite Light Lager. Yeah, and it's really cool. It's going to be available in like stores like HEB and other stores coming up here, I think, uh, right after the 1st of March. So you can get it and do that, but it's really good. You, and it's the drink, Rupub. You drink beer. I love right? beer. Yeah, I love yeah. Beer. Well, it's a good beer. Have you tried it? I have not tried it yet, no. Well, you but, know, Minix is hiding it from you, because I think Minix has a whole refrigerator full of it. And he, he, he told me that I was at his house, and he handed me one. He goes, this is the last one I have. <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. So he's probably got a whole refrigerator. But, yeah, Troy Aikman's supposed to be out there with us celebrating our birthday at the Rupub. Next Thursday, all the shows are going to be except for R and R in the morning. But your show will be out there, and the Blitz yeah. are we will be allowed out there in as the well. Are fourteen-year-olds allowed in the Rupub? <laughs> <laughs> now I've been saying that for fifteen. We need to have a quinceanera. <laughs> we need to have right. a San Antonio sports star quinceanera, a dance with a DJ, and everything. That'll be good. I never understood that. My kid, my girls wanted to have a quinceanera, and I'm like, no, I got to pay for weddings. <laughs> Dude, why do I want to pay Five for of a, them. Why do I want to pay for a wedding when you turn fifteen? <laughs> it's exactly because what that's it is. basically what it is. Yeah, and my so. my daughter had a sweet sixteen that was basically took the place of the quinceanera. Yeah, a lot of money spent on it. A lot of money. So you did that whole thing, right? I did, but we had a lot of people pitch in, so it wasn't too bad. Yep. All right, Michael, it's been a lot of fun. I uh, I appreciate you sitting in there for Jason Minix, and uh, I've had a great time today doing everything, but we got to get out of here because it's time to start the weekend, baby. All right, so we'll be back with you on Monday. R&R in the morning will kick things off. Have a great weekend, everybody. Go DeJounte Murray, baby. All-Star game. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Yeah!